This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is brought to you by Wowzy in St. Andrew Street, your local independent family business offering an unrivaled choice for your sweet tooth needs. Wowzy are on the ball with their huge selection of snacks, including Takis, Cheetos and Lay's. You just can't lose with Aberdeen's largest choice of pick and mix with all your retro favourites, good old-fashioned sweets including AFC Rock and exclusive stand-free lollipops. It's fine and dandy at Wowsy. Shop online at www.wowsy.com. It's Wednesday, and you know what that means. Welcome to episode 53 of the ABZ Football Podcast, the podcast that doesn't think it's an issue for you to have an opinion. I'm Gary Scott. Joining me this week is Gavin J. Baxter. Gav, how's it going? I'm good, thank you. I'm uh, just uh, preparing for the heat wave that's on our way. So uh, important to keep up with your hydration. With that being said, good there, Gavin. That was nice. Of course, this is going to go out after said heat, heat wave, so this will dated really badly, but never mind. Well, either way, what you're about to hear is a semi-live reaction to me tasting a cherry and coconut imperial stout. That's going to go one of two ways. don't really care for cherry, but like coconut, so let's see what happens. Here we go. And listen, we've given Graham another week off. Um, we thought he was looking a bit jaded, didn't we, Gavin, after a full season of podcasting? And uh, his partner was finding Aberdeen a bit too hard to adapt to living in due to the lack of delivery options in the West End of Aberdeen. It's a tough life. That is not bad, by the way. Well, good. good. That is not bad at all. I love the fact this is an audio podcast and you're showing the tin to the camera. Never mind. That being said, tasty stuff and we've got a tasty episode in store. Absolutely. In a week that saw Charlie Mulgrew log what might very well be the own goal of the season before it's even started for Dundee United. If I might say, that goalkeeper looked like he was running to quicksand. True, but it was Mogru, so it's funny. <laughs> that saw Aidan McGeady with what might very well be the penalty miss of the campaign. I haven't seen this. Oh, you need to look at it. Um, I've oh, just yeah. shared it on the Twitter account. It's then followed up with the Bonnie Rig Rose keeper giving him the get it right up, you, and calling him a wee wank. So the cinch <laughs> has started really early this season. Is that guy, the keeper harnessing the energy of Arter Boric. Absolutely, and also saw Sam Cosgrove hit the goal trail for Birmingham City. Oh, mate. <laughs> what a prick. A live reaction there, that penalty miss. Did you enjoy the keeper as well, though? Oh, I mean, I just I took in the penalty, first of all. Let's see what we got here. Let's see, here we go. It's wide. Oh, it's a getaway up here. Mm-hmm. Beautiful stuff. And he calls him a wee wank. He got booked for it. And he's also about five yards off his line when the penalty's taken. But yeah, it's it's amazing. All of it's amazing. It's another busy week on the ABZ Football Podcast as we take a look back at our Premier Sports Cup Group A tie with Sterling Albion before we look at the latest news from the club in the week that's just gone before. After the break, we preview Sunday's clash with Wraith Rovers in the League Cup in the company of Neil Russell, Football Operations and Media Manager at Wraith Rovers and, more importantly, a massive, massive Wraith fan. But first, Sterling Albion nil, Aberdeen 5, 
the Premier Sports Cup Group A, then Tuesday, the 19th of July, 2022, the Fourth Bank Stadium. The same starting 11 for Jim Goodwin's men from last week's 2 0 win against Dumbarton. But new signing, Luis Lopez, the Duke, making his first appearance for the Dons on the bench. Gav, just put into words how disappointed are we that it is the Duke and not. The duck. The duck. Uh, yeah, Dave Cormack getting on Twitter tonight to give us all the important information. Yes, it's been clarified that he is, in fact, the Duke. So all that duck-related content has just been thrown into the bin. Absolutely. And what Duke-related content do we have, Gav? <clears throat> um, nothing that's going to curry us any favour with the um, royalists amongst our, amongst our demographics. <laughs> Do you think we've got many royalists in our in our demographics? I'm sure there's one or two somewhere, you know? Yeah, there might be. I wonder how they'll take it about. If we I, don't, I don't know what Graham was doing during the Jubilee weekend. That's very true. That's, and he does have form for hitting up the Orange Lodge in Bucky. So well, this, this is true. This is regrettable. Um, Do you think he's a fan of sweaty nonces? <laughs> um, it's, a, it's an interesting question. Who was sweating more? Luis Lopez or the aforementioned Duke? Anyway, let's move on. Let's move on, absolutely. Um, the Dons got off to a good start this evening. I mean, you know, all the games so far in the Premier Sports Cup, we've, we've generally dominated possession, but it's taken a little bit of time for us to get going. But just 10 minutes today for a neat interchange between Vicente Bajewin and Ross McCrory on the right-hand side, which allowed Bajewin to advance into the box. Coming in off the right-hand side, drilling a low shot in past the goalkeeper at the near post. I'm not sure if there was actually potentially a little deflection off it, but hey, who might, who cares? Sticky toffee puddings all round. And Aberdeen continued to dominate the ball after this period of time. Uh, Sterling Abbey, though, did actually nearly get a goal back. Kel Roos looking a little bit uncomfortable at a corner kick. There was a little shot on target, which Johnny Hayes had to actually hack off the line. And I did think there was, was a little bit of a little bit of one we got away with there. But then straight up the park we went. A really, 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 really good goal. Jaden Richardson inside to Ross McCrory, who turned it into Mason Hancock. Knocked it back to Liam Scales. What a pass this was from Liam Scales. Slide rule pass, straight up the inside left channel, onto the run of Johnny Hayes, his first time cross into Christian Ramirez. And he could not miss from the back post to make it 2-0. And even if Ramirez wasn't there, Bajan was following straight after. It was going to be a goal no matter what. Eight minutes later, 3-0 Aberdeen. Matty Kennedy with a really, really good driving run through the centre of the park. Hauled down outside the box and he picked himself up, dusted himself down, grabbed the ball and with all the confidence of a man with a bit of form and a bit of grip between the teeth now, stuck it straight into the top corner. Lovely stuff. Ross McCrory made it 4-0 on 41 minutes. Again, another really nicely worked goal. This time it was Ramadani with the through ball into the path of Johnny Hayes once again, who rounded the goalkeeper before popping the ball on a plate for Ross McCrory to knock into an empty net. And the Dons made it five, two minutes later. Hayes once again causing havoc on the byline, pulling the ball back to Ramirez, who will we be kind and say he dummied it, Gav? Absolutely. It was a Derek Hung special. Absolutely. Missed his kick. Paul got to Bajowin, took a touch, rifled it into the top of the net. Half time, Sterling Abbey nil, Aberdeen Five at halftime, one change for the Dons. Christian Ramirez being replaced by our new Cape Verde international striker, Luis Lopez. The Duke getting his first run out in a Dons shirt. But it was still just one-way traffic. Ross McCrory next to try his luck on 55 minutes, coming on the ball 25 yards out, hitting a first-time effort just wide a goal. 
Benjamin should have had a hat-trick on 57 minutes. Hayes doing well on the left-hand side, cutting the ball into Benjamin. He knocked past the defender before his effort from what, I don't know, penalty spot area, hit the post, bounced to safety. Should have been a hat-trick if we're being really, really critical on this one. Just on the hour mark, a quadruple change for Aberdeen, Mason Hancock, Johnny Hayes, Matt Kennedy and Vicente Benjamin making way for Jack Mill, Ryan Duncan, Marley Watkins and Dante Pulvara. Luis Lopez, um, should have scored on 67 minutes. On Twitter, I did say, I don't even know how to necessarily describe this. Liam Scales, who is uh, now playing at left back after Hancock went off, Ross McCrory being deployed alongside Anthony Stewart at the back. Scales getting down the left, crossing the ball in. Lopez kind of, the ball got stuck behind him a little bit. He kind of stumbled and fell over. While he was falling over, he manufactured an overhead kick. I don't know how he did it, but the goalkeeper managed to save. He somehow got up got onto the rebound and was kind of falling over again as he smashed the ball, which I think came off the crossbar, possibly off the post, who knows. Not to tell you how he didn't score, it was very, very hard to describe all of that, which happened in about the space of nanoseconds, it felt like. Lopez back in again on 71 minutes, another fine ball from Scales playing the ball through the inside left channel. We spoke about this a lot, Gav, in the Dumbarton review. Certainly a, a, a ball that Liam Scales really fancies, that ball up the inside left channel. I mean, yeah, this is this thing with that that goal, especially tonight. Um, Ramirez's goal. That's the kind of ball that I know we're playing um, League One defenders, but that's the kind of ball that's going to cause havoc for far better players. Because when you when you're has the fullback thinking you've got your player out wide, you need to stick close to him, and then the ball is coming in inside you. Just you know, mind goes a little bit. What the what? Wait, where am I meant to be? What's happening? Um, it's he's got it. Excellent, and he like he waits the pass perfectly every time as well. It's uh, it's gonna be a real weapon this season going forward. Absolutely, League Two defenders, though, Gab. League Two defenders. Let's let's make sure we get that right. Australian, I've been League Two. They are. They're League Two. Yes. Never mind. No problem. We just want to make sure we get our facts correct. We hate to be accused of not doing the research on on this podcast. My my apologies to the people of Australia. Ross McCrory again should have had another one a header at the back post that Ryan Duncan had dropped onto his head for a free kick should have done better uh, he was unmarked at the back stick really should have done better with that one but again we'll maybe um, we'll let him off on this occasion I think there's there are other games I think where these things could be much more critical that I'll let him go with one when we're five and up against Sterling Albion Lopez causing <laughs> Lopez causing Sterling all sorts of problems he manufactured again this hilarious link Back heel, try to play the ball around the corner of a defender and running around the other side of him. It kind of pl- played off. It's fair to say that the left back for Sterling was not having any of this shit and just absolutely scythed him down. A well-deserved <laughs> booking. <laughs> Welcome to Scottish football, to the Duke. And that was kind of that. Um, Sterling Abbey nil, Aberdeen five is how it ended up. The Dons sitting proudly atop of Group A in the Premier Sports Cup. Gav, I will let you do the the, the Jim Goodwin rundown in a second. But what it does mean is uh, Wraith Rovers played out a 0-0 draw this evening with Dumbarton at the Rock. Wraith Rovers picking up the bonus point on penalties, which does mean the game on Sunday does have something to play for. Uh, Wraith Rovers could theoretically overhaul us at the top of the group if there is a win for them and a three-goal swing to the Kirkcaldy side. So all to play for still on Sunday. But Gav, I will, without any further ado, the updated Jim Goodwin record. 
Well, I'll tell you what, before we do this, I've got a little uh, a little trivia question for you actually mm. tonight. And I hope that you've not been looking at the BBC website. Another trivia question, Cap. We've got Indeed, one coming up that's going to be the... Uh, I mean, we're basically becoming a game show at this point. Well, I, I know, Would you like me. to tell me who <laughs> made his return to Scottish football tonight after 18 months out injured? Christoph Berra. That is incorrect. 18 months injured. Uh, no idea, Gav. No idea. That was a thrilling moment of silence on an audio podcast. I mean, again, God bless the editing tools. <laughs> Running the line at Elgin City versus Queen of the South. Sorry, he did not make his return tonight. That's bull- bullshit. He's making his return at the weekend. <laughs> Running the line on Elgin's, like for Elgin City versus Queen of the South on Saturday. It is none other. Doogie Ross. Douglas Ross. Ah, oh, that absolute wanker. Ah, there we go. Oh no, that'll be us getting in trouble again for bringing politics into the podcast. My apologies, I got got ahead of myself there. Yes, let's get back down to more pressing matters after that, tonight's that, five that, nil that, scudding. That guy will be back again, Gav. That guy will be back. Oh, we'll see him somewhere down the line. I'm sure. No, no, telling us that we're again politics involved and just getting why are we doing that and blah blah blah. Oh well, never mind. Well, between that and the Newcastle chat that's coming later on, it's going to be an interesting <laughs> week. Anyway. <laughs> I might more, just switch the notifications off on the Twitter things. To more pressing matters after tonight's 5-0 scudding of Sterling Albion, we are at, I believe this is the term, Nelson. 5-5-5. Five, five, five. <laughs> is that the term? And if anyone knows what that's about, then don't come at me, because you know it's a cricket term. Jim Goodwin, five wins. Five defeats and five draws. He is the five 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 kid. There we go. And but more importantly, Gav, the the twenty twenty two twenty three record. The twenty twenty two twenty three record, exclusive to the Premier Sports Cup group stages. Three played, three one, <laughs> three one, three, three ones, three ones, three played, three wins, and three clean sheets. Yep, nine goals scored, goal difference of nine. It's all coming up, Goodwin. Gonna win the treble. <laughs> Gonna win the fucking lot. Of course, the reason that it's just the two of us is that our um, our compatriot Graham Steele was at the fourth bank this evening. He was provided um, ABTV with a live, how would you say, little vox pop thing. <laughs> Graham in the words, the phrase vox pop have never gone together before, which may now become. I don't want to speculate, but that might be the uh, lucky charm we've been looking for all these years. So we might have to get him to do that all the time now. Yeah, definitely. Could be. Could doesn't be. even need to go on like online, just get him to do it. It looked roasty toasty at the fourth bank this evening. It did, it did indeed. Sorry, I've forgotten the point I was trying to make. <laughs> I don't know. Who knows? We're 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 having to review this basically after the game is finished. Um I managed to watch it on a stream, so at least I feel like I'm slightly ahead of you here, Gav. I don't think you were able to watch much of it. Well, I didn't see any of the game per se, but what I do have to say is the greatest of thanks to Mark Robertson on Twitter, who <laughs> very kindly pointed his mobile phone at his computer or our TV tonight so we could see the goals. Uh, much appreciated. Yeah. And some really, really good goals tonight. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think the, 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 the impressive thing tonight, the key thing for me tonight was the fact that in the last two games against Peterhead and the Barton, we've been very, very comfortable in both games. Um, and we've actually created a lot of opportunities and not really taken them. We've looked a bit profligate in front of goal. Huge, huge difference from that this, this evening. Start of the first half, we were clinical in every regard. Um, let's talk about Liam Scales. Let's talk about 
Liam Scales because he was really, really key in a lot of the good things that happened tonight for Aberdeen. And we spoke about him a bit after the Dumbarton game. That ball up the inside channel is going to be, you touched on it earlier on, it's going to be a, a really useful weapon for us this season going forward, I think. Don't tend to drink on school nights, but a 5-0 win for Aberdeen is a pretty rare occasion. And this is not going to be as satisfying as a can opening, but... Yeah, careful, Gav. I mean, you're, you're, you're running the danger if you're forming opinions after a stroll in the park against lower league opposition. Single malt here. You say, uh, you say we, that looked like a pretty healthy... Uh, healthy we'll call, there, call that a European measure. Anyway, <laughs> moving on. Uh, Liam Skills, that ball yeah. up the channel. As I said, yeah, it's... Uh, he is so good on the ball. Yeah. He's got a wonderful left foot and it seems like he's really already formed a real good understanding with Anthony Stewart and the midfielders in front yeah. of him. Ramadani, McTory, the way we're knocking the ball around quickly and there's constant movement on, off the ball. And that's the most pleasing thing for me because you think of last season and the sheer number of games where a player passes the ball and then stands still yeah. until, you know, it goes sideways to the next player. The difference is it's, it's enormous. We're such a, such a much more dynamic team and that's going to come from having, quite simply, a significantly better footballer at the back who's going to be key in, in playing out from the back. And yeah, Liam Scales, he looks like he's, uh, looks like he's the real deal. It's going to be interesting to see how he does, though, against one would imagine top flight strikers who will perhaps not give him as much time on the ball as he's been getting in recent games. But that also relies on some of the good work we've actually been seeing from Ramadani and McCrory so far. You just touched on the movement off the ball. What I really liked tonight, and I think you could see a little bit of in the Dumbarton game, but it was probably just a bit too early to tell because of how you know Ramadani, Ramadani had only had one two days of training with the team at that point. But tonight, there was definitely a really nice balance and understanding that appeared between McCrory and Ramadani and a nice little element of rotation in there. But like they were very much dovetailing together in a sense of if McCrory decided to make a break forward, Ramadani would sit. But likewise, if Ramadani decided to go forward, McCrory would sit. It showed like a really good understanding between the two of them. And that's something I don't think really matters what level of opposition you're playing against. That's something that you can hopefully do against any team if you've got that level of understanding between you. Ramadani's through ball for what ends up being McCrory's goal is a perfect example of that. Ramadani picks the ball from scales in the centre of the park, looks up, plays a wonderful side rule pass through that inside left kind of channel again for Hayes this time. And it's McCrory who's made that bursting run through to be alongside Hayes. Really, really like that kind of pivot that we were seeing there tonight between um, Ramadani and McCrory. That bodes well, I think, going forward this season, undoubtedly. Um, let's talk about the kind of forward players as well. I think that it was a relatively quiet game, actually, from Jaden Richardson tonight. He got up and down the line okay, but a lot of our threat didn't come from the pure wide areas tonight, which was, again, quite quite nice to see for us. It shows we might have options this season in terms of how we can attack teams. We're not going to be... Um, how do you want to say it? Like the, the Derek McInnes glory team, if we think about it that way, was very reliant on getting the ball wide. Hayes McGinn swinging balls into the box. That's what we did, and we were very, very effective at it. Last season, you know, we were way too slow, way too ponderous in possession. When we eventually shifted the ball wide, teams had kind of basically filled the penalty boxes anyway, and we were throwing balls into basically an isolated Kushner Mirez if we were lucky. We certainly look a lot more threatening tonight. So I thought that Jaden Richardson had a quiet game. Mason Hancock had a relatively quiet game as well. But let's talk about the kind of attacking four in that first half. Uh-huh. Which would be Johnny Hayes, Matty Kennedy, Vicente Pichon, and Christian Ramirez. Let's start with Matty Kennedy again, because I think it's 
it's important to recognise, again, the opposition is one thing, but let's just talk about what appears to be a real resurgence in the career of Matty Kennedy so far. And, you know, that free kick says an awful lot, I think. I mean, the free kick says it's a player with confidence. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, it doesn't, doesn't matter who the opposition is. You put a free kick like that away, you know, that will go in every day of the week, no matter who the, who the goalkeeper is. He does that at Parkhead on the first day of the season. That's a goal. You know, yep. it doesn't matter if it's yep. Joe Hart or if it's, um, God, I couldn't give you the name. Uh, Curry. Curry was the name of the goalkeeper Sterling Army tonight. You know, it doesn't matter. That goal, that is going in. Absolutely. He he just looks like, I mean, it's the classic cliche, but it looks true. He looks like a new signing. Yeah, He looks absolutely. like a completely different player. And I touched on it last week. It's just that if the case is that he has been carrying a knock the entire time he's been at Aberdeen and we've now got to the root of it and he's now healthy, he has got a lot of tools to be a real asset for Aberdeen. And so far, so good. He's looking really, really threatening. Um, as you'd expect a player with his pace and ability on the ball to be um you kind of move along johnny hayes i mean it's kind of like watching johnny hayes ball tonight it was quite a nice throwback hayes, i must admit hayes actually looks he looks sharper this mm-hmm. season looks like he I looks like he's gained looks, another i think everyone looks sharper but hayes especially looks like he's gained like another yard of pace out of nowhere he was everywhere tonight um great to see a couple of assists from tonight first one in particular was really really good first time ball i mean it's it's made it's not made easy for him. It's still a difficult first-time pass to play into the box. With the right peg as well. Yeah, but the, the pace in the bottom scales means he's got very little to think about other than just mm-hmm. rolling that into the path mm-hmm. of Ramirez. But it still has to be executed. Second assist for McCrory's goal was very unselfish. He could have probably finished that off himself, but locks off. Presumably he's maybe got an assist bonus in his uh, in his contract this season. Again, Johnny Hayes playing maybe that little bit further advanced. You know, mm-hmm. We saw him last season predominantly play left back and he can yep. he can do a job there but I think he does his better work further up the park and we're seeing that again so far in the early stages of this campaign again context is everything about the, the opposition you're playing against but it's encouraging we've seen Johnny Hayes when he's flying what he's capable of and yeah the two years since he's been back it's maybe been difficult for him because I think he has had to shuffle around a lot and play left back where as you say he's capable of but it's not where you want to see him um it's always important for me to remember that he's he went to Celtic and basically became almost their 12th man so you know he's a, he's a guy that's got a lot of quality and he's done a lot for Aberdeen yeah like you say he looks sharper and I think the entire team looks a lot fitter this season I think there's been a lot of work done in Espana to make that the case and yeah it's it's you know the proof is in the pudding so we're we're looking just such a more exciting and as i say dynamic team with a lot of pace in it absolutely definitely a vicente bishowin a couple of goals tonight for vicente should have had the hat trick it's fair to say again good to see the wee dutchman get on the score sheet also he, he managed he did do that in pre-season against uh breaking but but good to see him hitting the ground running now competitively i think it's probably fair to say the first couple of games so far maybe a little bit quiet for uh, vicente so good to see him getting off the mark as well Delighted for him. Uh, we've seen all the things that he's done in the training camp, the things that he's capable of with the ball at his feet. I think, yeah, I would tend to agree. He's had a quiet game at Peterhead and then, you know, had the um, the booking for simulation. Still not sure about that against Dumbarton. That maybe knocked him off his stride. So for him to get off the mark, he's going to be another big player for us this season. And uh, very excited to see what's come, what's going to come from Vinny. Hopefully, hopefully there are sticky talking puddings all around tonight for everyone.
Definitely. And then Christian Ramirez gets a goal. Yes. Three for the campaign so far for the American. Possibly with a bit of a new lease of life at the moment as well. Family's back in Scotland. Yep. Are we perhaps going to see Christian Ramirez see out much to, I guess, our disbelief? Um, <laughs> and, you know, we'll hold our hands up on that front um, if he is still here at the end of the season. But so far, doing the job. We, we talked about him at length in the, in the Dumbarton game. He should have had three or four goals against Dumbarton. But a nice finish tonight. And I thought his work, generally speaking, tonight was was assured and was was decent. I believe someone on Twitter, perhaps with some lip reading, has suggested that he mouths to Jim Goodwin, I want to stay. I think that that might be somebody with very much with tongue in cheek just making that up, I think, to be honest uh, with you. I see. I don't, I'm well, not entirely sure if that's... Well, uh, I mean, you know, this is perhaps why you can't take things on the internet seriously. No, absolutely. Um, listen, yeah, like you say, the, the family are here. There appears to be a commitment for him to at least see out the um, the remainder of his contract. If he was to move back to the States, you would wonder why they would have come back to Scotland. Um, listen, hey, we all just want a successful Aberdeen team. And if a successful Aberdeen team consists of Christian Ramirez scoring goals week in, week out, then none of us are going to complain. Uh, we just have, I think we've had some, we and far more than just us had doubts or cause to speculate that uh, his heart might not be here at Aberdeen if uh, it was taken maybe a summer listen it was a difficult season for everyone last year and there was obviously the culture shock for him of probably moving to Scotland from LA not to mention the culture shock of learning what Scottish football is all about and that you know celebrating draws against Ross County are not necessarily kosher <laughs> yeah <laughs> If it's taken maybe some time away and maybe uh, a couple of honest chats with Jim Goodwin or maybe some of his teammates to learn to realize what it is to be an Aberdeen player and he's accepted that and he's comes back here with the sort of vigor and enthusiasm that he had when he first signed then. Yeah, again, none of us are going to complain about that. I think as well, it'll be interested to see what happens now that he's actually got some genuine competition um, at the top end of the park now in terms of uh, a, a berth in the team. You know, we've got... Bojan Miofsky still to come in. Uh, I think the club are still very hopeful that he can be here at the end of this week, ready to potentially have or play some part in the game against Wraith Rovers on Sunday. We've got the Duke here now as well. Um, and, you know, there's, I think there's still probably, we're, we're still probably in the market, I would imagine, for maybe potentially A and other in the attacking areas. Whether it's an outright striker or not, maybe remains to be seen now that um, Lopez is here. But, you couple that together with some of the young lads coming through. I feel that there's some genuine competition which just didn't exist last season um, either as well for Ramirez. I mean, Marley Watkins is still here as well. Christ, I, I forget about Watkins. Um, I, I will be... I have a funny feeling I'll be surprised if Marley Watkins is still here come the end of the summer window. Whether he goes out on loan somewhere or something, I don't know. But it doesn't strike me that he's really in the... In the manager's plans. Uh, see, I would dare say that the evidence so far suggests that Jim Goodwin's got a core of about 16 players that he trusts. That the, subs, the subs are all the same. It's <clears throat> yeah, the that, likes that's of, um, It's likes of Connor McLennan that have got uh, that's a very think, good point. potentially some thinking to do when it comes to their future. That's a very good point. Um, interesting one tonight. I mean, let's be honest. It was a solid performance tonight, a good performance all around. The second half was a bit of a, a nothing performance. Um but the game's already done and dusted by that point. Five goals, you can't really complain about that. 
a clean sheet again. Let's talk about the debut of uh, Luis Lopez. Came on at half time. Um, I think I tweeted out about it. I think his nickname, everyone's getting hung up about Duck or the Duke. His, his nickname should be Sushi because he's raw. I mean, he's got, looking at that tonight, he's got a lot of attributes that um, we can absolutely work with going forward. Real bit of pace about him. <laughs> Bless him. The first like five minutes he was on the pitch, I had visions of Adol Stavrum because he kept on making fantastic forward runs that no one else was picking up on. And then by the time somebody looked up at me, he was about five yards offside. Um, good pace, good physical build about him. Likes a trick, likes lulling a defender in thinking he's lost control of the ball and then nipping away from them. Um, doesn't look like he's going to be too, you know, bothered about a physical battle, which is which is good. He had one opportunity he probably should have done better with. There was a slide rule pass again from Liam Scales. Who else would have been doing that? Um, he kind of sh- flicked his effort at the goalkeeper. It was a bit tame. There was the effort where he fell over, manufactured an overhead kick out of nowhere with it, then picked himself up and smashed the ball against the crossbar. There's definitely something in there. It's just going to be a case of trying to work it was. I mean, I think Jim Goodwin said that on Friday when he signed in, but this is not a guy who is, he's not the finished article. There's a lot of raw potential in there and we just need to work with him and to harness that. But I think he's going to be entertaining, if nothing else. Entertaining. There we go. Gav, yeah, but Gav's not really seen any of it, so that's... that's I've not seen much idea. of it, but I think we talk about Luis Lopez later in this episode. Uh, we do talk about him a little bit I'm later I'm not mistaken. But, but what it sounds like, it's the powerful, dynamic striker that we've been looking for to provide that alternative option. And yeah, what you're describing sounds a lot like Josh McGinnis. <laughs> yeah, I th- he's definitely got a bit more natural ability about him, I think, than Josh McGinnis ever did. But, but um, is he a better keeper? Who knows? Does he take better throw-ins? Um, he didn't take the throw did he? Did he just catch it? I can't remember what happened there. Uh, what happens there again? The ball gets thrown to me, he catches it, doesn't he? It's him and Robbie Savage do something, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, who might? It doesn't matter. That's that's digressing. An interesting point tonight um, was when we decided to switch things around. We, we made a quadruple change for 30 minutes to go and that saw us take Mason Hancock off, Liam Scales went to left back and we saw Ross McCrory go to left centre half alongside Anthony Stewart. Now, I think we have our answer for Celtic Park. Yeah, this is just what I was going to say. I, I wonder if that, and I think we probably talked about it later in the episode as well, I wonder if Jim Goodwin has just tipped his hand a little bit at what his plans or his thoughts are on what he's going to do at Celtic Park. And if so, that has... That surely leaves massive question marks now about David Bates's future at Aberdeen Football Club, potentially. Yeah. No, I'd go along with that. Um, I thought David Bates would have a significant part to play in the season, quite honestly. Um, still got two years left on his contract, I believe. Yeah, he does. As an Aberdeen player. Um, it depends if he's willing to stay here and fight for his place and, I guess, try and wrestle the right centre-back position off of Anthony Stewart. That's one for David Bates, but I'll be interested to see if we maybe make some moves to perhaps get him out on loan or, or even maybe just move him on. I think there's there's definitely probably an argument to suggest that you want to retain another centre-half in the squad that's not McCrory, because if you do get injuries, you probably want to have somebody that can just slot in there and you're not then having to shuffle the entire pack as a result of that. But I do think it's an interesting move that we've seen there that it would appear, based on that tonight, that 
that might be where Goodwin's thinking about attacking that Celtic match. Um, what's that now? A week on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Um, which probably goes against what I think a lot of us were maybe thinking. I think a lot of us were probably thinking he'd put Bates in um, or potentially even, I think we, again, we spoke about it. Does he look at like Jack Millen or Mason Hancock in a back three or something? Um, that seems to have kind of tipped the hat. Well, I think it'll be interesting to if, if he decides... Sunday's going to be interesting there. We're going to do the Wraith Rovers preview later on in the show with um, Neil. But um, because that game still has something riding on it, it'll be interesting to see what he does in terms of starting lineup on Sunday now. Because um, I had kind of thought if it was a bit of a dead rubber, if we'd already qualified and if looking at the other groups, it looked as though we were probably in a good shout of being one of the, the what is it, the best, it's the best ranked top three, isn't it? I think who get a seed a seeded place in the next round. So it's, it's the best, the, the three best teams from the group stages are seeded in the next round alongside the teams who come in from Europe. I've been bluffing my entire way through this Premier <laughs> group stage. I have no idea what's going on. I'm pretty sure I looked at this earlier on. So you've got the, the five teams who are in Europe will enter and then I, I'm pretty sure it's the top three group winners will make up the seeded half of the draw for the round of 16 that, which would be, that sounds legit um, that sounds about right we'll go with that so there is still something relying on there is still something that we 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 need to finish the job on Sunday against Rathovers which does mean he maybe still plays with scales I know that we played a, we played a, a, a closed door friendly against Falkirk at Cormac Park a couple of days ago we won 4-1 on that one I've got no idea who played in that so whether he gave who knows maybe David Bates started that one and didn't do particularly well, and that's why uh, he's going with Crowley tonight. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. Let's let's see where we get to on Sunday. Um, but all in all, uh, a good night's work, it's fair to say, in Sterling. Very good night's work. Slanger. Uh, I was going to ask you, Gav, I mean, this is a completely pointless thing to ask you now, because you've not really watched enough of the game to make a judgment on this, but top, top Don? Top Don. Yep. I will go with popular opinion, and I'll say Liam Scales. It's close. I mean, at the moment... There's still there's still time to run on the on the ABZFP poll. We said we'd do this for all the games going forward this season, where we remember to do it. Um, the top four I put out there was Liam Scales, Matty Kennedy, Johnny Hayes, and Vicente Bajewin. You can only do four options. I'm sorry, guys. I know a lot of people were talking about Ramadani being in there. I can't overlook Kennedy for the free kick. I'm sorry. It was such a good free kick. Um, Ramadani would have been in there otherwise, it's fair to say. And at this moment in time, as we record... Liam Scales is narrowly edging out Vicente Bajau in there in the in the popular votes. It kind of feels funny. It's a 5-0 victory and top dawn we're giving to a left-sided centre-half. That tells us where we've been probably more uh, than where we are right now. Um, I will say that one person mentioned on Twitter that uh, whatever Celtic want, <laughs> yes, give it to them. And I say, yes, with the condition that Conor Barron is not part of that. I completely agree on that, but I do think that it's becoming priority one, I think, at the moment, to try and get a deal for Liam Scales sorted out. Whether that's going to be a permanent deal at the end of the season that we just agree now, or whether we can do something before the summer window finishes, I would be very surprised to see Celtic play ball before the opening game of the season. Why would they want to strengthen uh, an opponent where they could uh, avoid it? But it's interesting, Celtic signed another centre-half today, uh, a German lad. Who... I I fully expect Celtic to just see out his loan and see where they are in the summer next year. 
Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised now, given how well he's started off Aberdeen. Um, unless they just say, well, you know what, actually, it seems as though we talked about it at length when he signed. It seems to me that there was an awful lot of work being done at the time to try and make the scales thing permanent right now. We clearly couldn't get that done right there. Unless Celtic just go, you know what, we 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 got a lot of work done there. We got to a position, who knows, maybe where uh, there was a, a fee agreed that Celtic were happy with. Um, now they've done their business. I think they brought in a couple of defenders now. They brought in a left back. They brought in a centre half. Today, that would put him, what, behind Starfelt, Carter Vickers and the new German lad they signed today at the very least at centre half. I mean, he's way down the peck in order now at Celtic, it's fair to say. So who knows? Let's let's wait and see. But yeah, I think that is becoming a a priority as we go. Anything else you want to add on that one tonight, Gav? I think all there is to say is, yeah, 5-0 and... You know what, actually, who am I, you know who my top don is? Who's it going to be? Graham Steele. Graham Steele. Made the journey four. to Sterling on a Tuesday evening while the country is literally on fire. So, kudos. There we go. Graham Steele and Liam Scales. Two men who probably weren't enjoying the sun too much at Fourth Bank tonight. Moving on to other news from Pitodre this week. Now, I guess, Gav, it's fair to say the main news of the last seven days probably dropped on Friday afternoon, with the confirmation finally arriving that the Dons had made our seventh signing of the summer with the announcement that Luis Lopez, or Duck, as he likes to be known, had signed a three-year deal with the club after his departure from Benfica for what was being claimed by the Dons as being an undisclosed fee. But reports in Portugal indicate that it's a free transfer for the time being, with Benfica retaining a 50% stake in any future sale of the player. We'll try and get some more confirmation, some more solid detail on that one as we go forward. He's a 22-year-old who's represented Portugal at both under-18 and under-19 level before making his Cape Verde debut last month. So another nation in Jim Goodwin's United Nations of Aberdeen players this season. Scored eight goals and 20 appearances for Benfica's B team last season in the Portuguese second division has come through the Benfica youth system, hasn't had any loans out or anything like that. He's not started many games for Benfica B, but appears to have done pretty well when coming off the bench. A pretty impressive uh, goals per minutes ratio. Quick and powerful, decent looking finish on him. Really high goal conversion rate and shots on target percentage rates when you look at the hashtag data. But again, hard to gauge this really due to the kind of league quality, etc, etc. But let's... Give it the benefit of the doubt. It's another, what we call, intriguing move by the club. I think intriguing is a word you can use. I think I would go exciting. I mean, like, how often do we sign players from arguably the biggest team in in another country? Um, he provides. <laughs> I mean, is there anyone that's going to like coming on from Portugal that's going to argue with me on that one? I meant more about the fact we've probably signed, we've signed him from the reserve team. Let's no, no, we've signed him from Benfica. Oh yes. Is there two separate clubs called Benfica B? <laughs> no, but you know the point I'm making. Anywho, um, he sounds like he's going to provide a really different option, and I think we really yes. could benefit from having someone that's dynamic and, and powerful. Like this, that we've had, really had a striker like that since maybe, <laughs> maybe, well, maybe, maybe Josh McGinnis, and with the best will in the world. I mean, Josh, love Josh to bits, and he's had a pretty incredible career given what I saw at Aberdeen. <laughs> uh, but hopefully, Calvin Zola was quite physical. Um, yeah, but he wasn't exactly dynamic. No. Struggling here. Struggling. I mean, Josh Parker was meant to be. Josh Parker was just shit. He's on trial at AFC Wimbledon at the moment, I see. He's going to complete the Don's set, it would appear. 
Well, I mean, they've they've had the bar set pretty low with Sam Cosgrove last season, so that's true. That's anywho, true. anywho, um, yeah, I mean, again, a good age, um, a good investment. You know, we've protected ourselves with that three-year contract that if he comes in and does well, we're either going to see the benefit long term or we're going to flog him on and make some money and continue this process. Um, interested, very, very excited about this one. It seems like it's one that's been in the works for some time and. One Jim Goodwin's worked hard to get over the over the line, and another option up front. There's nothing to complain about that. No, absolutely not. I think you're right. I think he definitely seems to provide a different type of. He's a different type of player, I think, from um, what we've seen so far in uh, Miofsky. Obviously, question marks remain around Christian Ramirez's future at the club, but even then, he's a different type of player from Christian Ramirez. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's it's a really hard one to gauge. You always have to look at these things and and. Uh, Take them with a pinch of salt, I guess. To be honest, his kind of statistics and his data from playing in the Portuguese second division, I mean, you know, it doesn't look like it's the highest quality of leagues out there. But at the same time, you look at somebody like um, Jota at Celtic, who struggled to make the, the breakthrough at Benfica in their first team. Although he had played at least thirty odd games for Benfica's first team, uh, Ducks not quite made it to that level yet. But obviously, Jota came in and did very, very well for Celtic. Um, last season, you know, we're not necessarily in a place where we can, you know, you look at teams, I'm looking at teams just now who finished, for example, in the top end of the Dutch second division. And, you know, the leading scorer in that division has been sold for like 2 million euros this summer, um, which is still for us way outside of our our budgets, etc. So this is an area where we do need to be kind of trying to be being clever, trying to be smart. I mean, from what I've seen of Duck in terms of the footage online that's available, looks like he's fairly handy on both feet. Looks like he gets himself into good positions. Certainly looks robust. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how he how he does. I mean, he looks certainly like he's got the physical build to play in Scottish football up at the top end of the park. That's for sure. Um, looks like he's got a good level of kind of work ethic about him gets himself into that the thing i was impressed most about and this is because this doesn't really matter what level of football you're playing at was his movement and his ability to find pockets of space in the box for tap-ins free headers etc that was the thing that impressed me most and gives gives me the most hope i think about this signing i mean yeah some might argue that we've lacked um a striker with that kind of intelligence, the awareness to where to be in the penalty box. So if we continue building and creating a team that's going to provide service, then duck. Can't call the guy duck. It's going to give us amazing mighty duck gift potential. I mean, it's season. probably a good thing that Graham's not here because I'm going to throw out there. Um, if I, I, I entirely believe that Luis Lopez is going to be a huge success at Aberdeen. <laughs> but if he does leave without having scored a single goal, I'm officially, I've put it out on Twitter, but I'm going to put it out here on audio form as well i am copywriting the headline Luis lopez out for a duck well done graham's gonna have no idea what that's about none at all people were coming at me with like oh a cricket reference like how do you know it's a cricket reference yeah there you go like it yeah, like it um let's see what happens i, I think the main thing um on this one is well, if the rumors are true from the portuguese side of this that this is a deal which has seen Aberdeen actually not pay anything up front for this guy but instead benfica have retained a 50 percent stake shall we say in the player what do you think about that does that sound like a, a smart move from Aberdeen's perspective or is this one where you're kind of like doing yourself potentially out of big cash in the future 
for some short-term gain. I think Hibs have used this. I, I, Hibs signed a boy from Benfica B as well recently, yes, didn't they? That's right, yeah. I'm wondering if this is a similar deal to there um, as well. There was a lot of chat about this at, at that time as well. Your thoughts just on that sort of model? I mean, it's. I think it's pretty common in Europe on the whole. I think it's especially common in Italy, for example. Mm-hmm. It's one of them, I guess. You could maybe look at it and say, well, you know, you're maybe doing yourself out with some cash, but in the short term, it makes the... You know, to me, it kind of makes it like almost a, a no risk move to be honest, because you know you're not paying any money up front. And if he works out, then he works out. And if we sell him for three million, three million pounds, whatever, we're going to get one and a half million out of that. Um, I have, yeah, I've got no real issue with that at all. To be honest with you, yeah, I think it's being sensible, being smart, working within the budget parameters you have. I mean, like you say, it's one of these. Like, if we suddenly make like I don't know, ten or fifteen million off the guy, then it maybe looks a bit daft because you're doing yourself out of a huge, huge fee to your own uh, to your own benefit with perhaps like a twenty percent sell on or something to Benfica for a four hundred grand outlay to begin with. But at the same time, it means that I think what it shows is the fact that the club, or maybe just at that point, uh, Jim Goodwin said it as well. It seems to me this is, that the duck is definitely a maybe more of a work in progress than how we're viewing Miowski, for example. I don't think Duck's coming in to be a first team, first choice striker. Duck's an amazing name, isn't it? It's fucking great stuff. This feels like that Brazilian player that signed for West Ham, like called Alan. <laughs> it's like, uh, Everton, wasn't it? Everton. Ah, uh, I don't know. It doesn't Alan. Matter. Alan playing in the centre of the park for Everton. Um, yes, your new Brazilian sensation. Yeah, it sounds that way. I'm just, I'm intrigued to see what this is going to mean. I think we're all intrigued what this is going to mean for the first team going forward, because it's another sizable investment again in terms of just the the length of his contract and you know how yeah. much we're we're putting in what kind of faith we have already pretty putting in the guy which i think we're all just waiting for that first game with her maybe like maybe that first game after the the window's all shut and we just look at see what our team's actually gonna look like because still miofsky still still lopez can't call him duck we're calling and, obviously, duck. and obviously connor Barron. you know yeah three three examples right there and they and more to come so exciting times to be a Dons fan Absolutely. And listen, hey, you know us on the ABZ FP. It's not as though we just sit and look at YouTube videos or wife scout and pontificate between ourselves about these types of things. I mean, obviously we do that, but we, we like to go that one step further. There is going to be a mini pod to come on Luis Lopez. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> we're recording this Sunday evening. Our Portuguese uh, contact who's going to have a chat with us around uh, Luis. Not here this weekend. It's his wife's birthday. He's away for the weekend. Priorities must, um, apparently. We all know how that goes, don't we? Let's be honest. It's what it is. We'll get that many to you as soon as we can on Luis Lopez. Other main news that came from this week, Gav, which I think potentially has an interesting effect on Aberdeen, also dropped late on Friday. The news that Darren Eels is going to be leaving his role as president and CEO of Atlanta United to take up the CEO role at Newcastle United. Now, people might out there asking why is this of interest who gives a shit well it's probably fair to say that Darren Eels has been really really central to the whole Aberdeen Atlanta link up Uh, indeed he was appointed to the Don's board of directors back in 2019 when the link up and the initial investment from Atlanta United was made in Aberdeen I guess it's going to be interesting to see how this develops from the perspective of you know do Atlanta see value future you know benefits still in this project if so, will they decide to appoint a, a new member to the board in Eels's place? Or was this more of a Darren Eels project? And 
if so, do we potentially see the prospects of Atlanta stepping back from things and then maybe a potential link up with Newcastle United on the cards, which of course opens up a huge can of ethical worms. Oh yeah, we're going to get the Newcastle fans back in the mentions. I can't wait for that one. Yeah, ethical um, worms, can worms <laughs> everywhere. Um, I mean, let's just go straight to the point when it comes to Atlanta. What link up? Well, um, I mean, unless their tangible benefit has been the acquisition of Ronnie Hernandez, which we're assured was just, you know, coincidence. Hey, Gav, we recovered all of our costs. And we did obviously help them get Jack Gurr off the books. So, <laughs> yes. You know. Yes. Um, one might say that we've seen very little in the way of benefit, but um, that's... Other than the co- cold, hard cash that came in. Other than the cold, hard cash that came in and... Who knows what was spell on that? Um, and obviously we got Stephen Glass and that worked out. Yeah. Because I'm a boring bastard, just because you're while you're still speaking, I'm just having a check on Company's House. As we speak, Darren Eels is still uh director of Aberdeen Football Club. I suspect that'll be the case until he actually departs Atlantean Aid formally. But yes, I believe go. he departs in August, if I'm not mistaken, to take his new position with uh Newcastle United. I mean it's it's interesting because Darren Eels was in the one time I think we saw him, which was that um, the announcement of the link-up was banging on about the um, importance of community and uh, <laughs> the kind of family atmosphere of Aberdeen and what they could, what that could, what Atlanta could take from that. Turns out a whole lot of Saudi blood money will uh, make that go out the window, but nevertheless, um, it's a very very cynical approach, Gavin. It is, but um, I think we've put our stance out there. So let's. Oh, just, we absolutely have. I mean, we've nailed our flags to the mast on this one. So yeah, uh, fuck him if he decides to move to Saudi Sports Washing United mm-hmm. FC, and that will definitely get the Newcastle United fans in our Twitter again. Um, then that's that's for him. Hey, we said it at the time, and I'll continue the stance. I mean, like someone was asked us in the hypothetical, of what if like Saudi Arabia? <laughs> I was thinking about this earlier. What if this happens to Aberdeen? I was like, oh. And my stance was at the time that, yeah, I wouldn't, I'd find it incredibly difficult to, um, yeah. I think you can, I don't know. Can you, I'd find it really difficult to maintain support while that was happening. Uh, my stance is quite I don't want us to link up with Newcastle at all while they're being run by. <laughs> is that just because of Matty Longstaff experience? Well, I mean, it's, it's twofold. Um, <laughs> mainly because, yeah, I don't want to be associated with the Saudi Arabian government and that's who runs Newcastle and they I don't care who tells me otherwise that's what it's happening and uh, I don't want any members of the Longstaff family back at Aberdeen ever again so um, <laughs> maybe we might get Sean this time nah it's okay that's okay I couldn't remember I just had to look this up just now because I couldn't remember if this actually was the case have you seen the Newcastle United Away kit this season oh it's the Saudi Arabian it's the Saudi Arabia kit, kit. Yeah, yeah it's white shirt green trim unbelievable scenes um it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, I suspect what will happen here will be that um, Eels gets removed. We end up with a different um, director on... Maybe the new the person who takes his role at Atlanta Presumably. assumes the position on the board at Aberdeen. Yeah, I imagine that's that's will be how this plays out. Um, but it does lead you to different questions that start to come up. Because like I say, Dan Eels is the guy at Atlanta who seems to have been very much the guy front and foremost on this whole deal from Atlanta's perspective, obviously Darren Eels is a um he's a he's a UK national. He was at Tottenham Hotspur, I think, wasn't he, before he went to That's correct, yep. Um before he went to Atlanta. He he obviously understood the uh the value of the Aberdeen brand, I guess, from a historical perspective and, and linking that into Atlanta United, who at the time, obviously in, in 2019, were still very much an upstart club. 
uh, they've been very much on a downward trajectory since 2019. It's fair to say. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how this one does does, does pan out. Again, um, we've kind of got our feelers out with our contacts in the states on this one. Um, one person in particular. It's unfortunate. Atlanta are playing tonight. Um, I think they're actually playing as we speak at this moment in time. He's he's going to have some time with um, Atlanta United, um, as they would call them, front office staff later on today. Um, maybe hoping to try and put a couple of questions towards them from our slant about this. <coughs> so when we get an opportunity to um, to hear the responses to those questions again, we'll 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 put those back out there to the ABZFP solar system when we get it. I don't think it's going to justify a mini pod, but whenever we see these responses come through, we'll we'll put them out there. Atlanta are indeed playing right now. Mm-hmm. Do you know who's not playing? Uh, well, Ronnie Hernandez won't be because he's like severely injured. Oh, I hear he's unavailable. Yeah, I think he did his. I think he did his cruciate. He did a ligament. Um, currently, uh, drawing one-one at the uh, Atlanta Coliseum, whatever you call it, <laughs> to, uh, to Orlando City, the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I think is the the. Well, that doesn't that does ring a bell. Yes, against Orlando. Or Orlando any good this season? This is the thing with American like soccer. It's like hard to tell if anyone's good or bad. Or Orlando are higher up in the league than. Uh... Atlanta, that's not so. that's not difficult. There are only three teams lower than Atlanta mm-hmm. in the Eastern Conference, Western Conference. I don't one of the two of them. Anyway, um, anyway, Orlando we'll see what happens. Eastern. But you think this, right? You you think they'll be in the Eastern Conference, and then you look at things and you go, "Well, that's not the fucking East Coast, is it?" <laughs> well, it's more East than West. I mean, that's... Well, well, hang on, right? Let me look at this now. Wait a minute. We're assuming a lot of like geographical knowledge of america on our listeners right now yeah whatever um ah they do seem to actually split it reasonably sensibly okay it's not like you know like the nfl and stuff but the eastern and western conferences just like that's just names that that means nothing anymore austin fc are top of the western conference sorry this is a really boring segue for a lot of people you know that wayne rooney got the gig at dc united I did know that. And he first, the first time, and this is all interesting because, like, I think you get like three, like, international transfers or whatever, or three, like, transfers you can, like, go out with the salary cap. Yeah. Yeah. And he presumably wants to spend one of them on Phil Jones. (laughs) But that tells you everything you need to know about, like, the the MLS, doesn't it? Um, I mean, put put that into context, right? Austin FC are currently top of the Western Conference. They are currently. Top of the entire MLS altogether, although Los Angeles FC have a couple of games in hand of them. That's an Austin FC side who have had John Gallagher play 19 of the 21 games for them this season. So that says <laughs> absolutely everything you need to know about the MLS. I think it's fair to say. I, I apologize to any of our American listeners who are listening in. Yeah, who, I'm sorry, no. Um, who want to talk about the quality or otherwise of the MLS. Who is Noel's MLS team? Does he have one? I don't know. He never disclosed that when we were yeah. on. I mean, he's obviously he's obviously based in Florida, but they, um, as I recall, family moved around quite a bit, didn't they, around yeah. the States? So it could be, could be anywhere. It's the, it's the States could be anyone. Could be Seattle for all we know. No. After you hear it, drops a, drops a Twitter message. Let us know. Who, who is your MLS side? You, you never disclosed this. When you were on, all it will mean is we'll just keep an eye out for it and just rip the piss whenever they're doing really, really badly. Maybe it's the team Jack Gerzat. Oh, could be. Could be. Who are not, MLS, um, who are not MLS, obviously, but um, 
Oh, that clogger from Stoke City is no longer with Inter Miami. That's disappointing. Oh, Shawcross. Ryan Shawcross. Yeah, that's the one. Anyway, that was the only time he'll ever play for a team called Inter in their name. Um, I think, Gavin, that's probably a big enough segue on this one. I say? mean, that was a massive tangent. It was a massive tangent, and I know that our listeners will just love that. But for the avoidance of doubt, yeah, just Newcastle United and the Saudis can get to fuck. Yeah, agreed. Let's move on. So that wraps up the first half of this week's show. Join us after the break for our preview of Sunday's Premier Sports Group A clash with Wraith Rovers in the company of Wraith Rovers, football operations and media manager, Neil Russell. This episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is brought to you by Wowsy Aberdeen. Import and UK confectionery, snack and soda specialists offering Aberdeen's largest selection of goodies from around the world. Wowsy are a local independent family business and are based in St Andrew Street, Aberdeen. An unrivaled choice for your sweet tooth needs. With all allergens catered for, nationwide delivery and great customer service, it's got to be Wowsy. Welcome back to the ABZ Football Podcast. Before we move on to our preview of this week's game with Wraith, we'd like to give a shout out to those of you who've made a contribution to the ABZ FP Beer and Coffee Fund. We see you. Your bread's appreciated. If you'd like to help keep us fueled in beers or coffee, I'm just on a really bog standard Hazy Jane guava this evening. Gavin's on a fancy coffee imperial stout thing. But hey, head on over to ko-fi.com forward slash ABZ Football Podcast. The link is in the description. Shout us a beer or a coffee is absolutely much appreciated. And we're going to keep on talking about this until the season end. We're also ramping up our fundraising activities for the season. Firstly, the three of us are committing to run a cycle, crawl, walk, the 2,261 kilometres. That represents the distance between Aberdeen and the mighty, mighty mecca that is Gothenburg by the 11th of May 2023 to mark the 40th anniversary of the Dons' victory over Real Madrid. If you'd like to make a donation that will see funds split 50-50 between Aber Necessities and the AFC Heritage Trust, please head on over to justgiving.com forward slash crowdfunding forward slash ABZ Football Podcast. Again, the link is in the description. Gav, how are you getting on? I've racked up a very, if I do say so myself, admirable. Um, let me just get the numbers here. Since last week, I've racked up a roughly 65 kilometers. Nice. Good. Through a mainly through an 18 kilometer walk that the dog was absolutely fucking raging at me for. <laughs> um, obviously, everything in dogs is like multiplied by seven. So, whatever that yeah. comes out to be. You're already um, there. You're already in doggy Gothenburg. I know, right? Um, so, I've got 125 kilometers on the book, which, which, um, which roughly translates to being 78 miles. So if I'm not mistaken, that would take me, it would take me past Dundee by this point. Yep, yep, you're, you're looking good. I have seen and I'm moving on from the home of the biggest team in Dundee and I've also got through Tanadice as well. <laughs> so I think I am currently sitting at, as we speak just now, 183.6 kilometers in. I make that 113 miles. I I have no idea how far that is. I think you're uh, 
past is that Perth, close to Edinburgh? Like you're, you're past Perth. Like you're on your way to Glasgow, Edinburgh, yeah. Dunblane, Dunblane, but that's the wrong distance to have gone to Dunblane, so that's not right. It must be that sort of neck of the woods, I guess. Anyway, we're we're making steady progress. Who knows what Graham's been up to in his week off? Hopefully, he's been firing in the kilometers. I'm gonna doubt it very much. <laughs> we'll wait and see. I mean, and... I, I've got, I'm gonna have to hypothesize that point one one entry. That must have just been a day where he was like just playing his PS3, PS5. Sorry. Yeah, I just did a walk back to the fridge and back. Like, yeah, exactly. Homer Simpson esque. Absolutely, and we've got another one of our. Um, I called them infamous last week. I should stop doing that. Yeah, they, they, yeah it's, it's they're famous. Famous, one of our famous prize raffles up and running, as well. This time, two great prizes available. First prize, hospitality for four people in the Legends Lounge, the Terry Scott Lounge, for a game during the 2022-23 season. Now, this prize is worth the guts of five hundred twenty quid in its own right. And obviously, if you win it, we're not going to judge you about which three people you want to take to the hospitality with you. But, you know, we are going to judge you. Um, second prize, a signed AFC shirt from the 2022-23 campaign, signed by our brand new squad, which will include, that's right, Luis Lopez Duck. Amazing. Great stuff. Don't renew this voucher until, obviously, the 31st of August, um, because then you might miss out on a couple of signatures, clearly. If you'd like to enter the raffle, Entry just 10 quid. Send us an email on abzfootballpodcast at gmail.com. It's abzfootballpodcast at gmail.com to enter. And now, without any further ado, Gav, we're going to take a look at Sunday's visit of Wraith Rovers to Pataudry in the Premier Sports Cup in the company of Wraith Rovers Football Operations and Media Manager. Massive Wraith Rovers fan. This one's brilliant. It's got a doozy of a pub quiz question, if you, if you don't mind me saying so. Some may have contention with that. Let's listen to our segment now with Neil Russell. Neil Russell, welcome to the ABC Football Podcast. How's it going, Neil? It's going really well. Thank you. Um, uh, thanks again for inviting me on. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this. I've not uh, been a guest on a podcast for well since lockdown. Um, I did more than my fair share back then, and I'm looking forward to this. Um, hope you're all well. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely. Great stuff. No, listen, we, Neil, we really appreciate you taking the time. Um, to come on, speak to us tonight about next Sunday's um, visit of, of Wraith Rovers to Pataudry and what will be the final game for both of us in the in the group stages of the Premier Sports Cup. And I guess we should probably just get straight down to it from that perspective. I mean, it's not obviously where Aberdeen wanted to be was in the group stages this season. We are where we are. The draw came out of the hat. And I think a lot of Aberdeen fans were quite pleased to see Wraith pop out of the hat. A chance possibly to maybe exercise some demons after last season's uh, round of 16 defeat at Starks Park. I mean... For Aberdeen, that was almost the start of what ended up being a truly terrible, terrible season. For Wraith, it was a bit of a funny one last season because it, it really looked to me like that victory really sparked Wraith into some good form and then kind of seemed to really struggle towards the back end of the season, just missed out in the playoffs by a couple of points. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was a funny one for us. I mean, yeah, as you said, that season started and the, the League Cup stages went really well for us and the victory against them, um, Aberdeen with newly appointed manager Stephen Glass, Scott Brown in the starting lineup, of, you know, a Pfeiffer, you know, coming back to Fife to play against um, um, one of his local teams, and we played really well that day. You you hold the you know, the ignominious ignominious uh, honour of um, conceding a goal uh, to Ethan Varian, our striker who didn't really score very many goals at all. 
but on that day, you know, it was a it was a prime Wraithrovers performance, and it's as you said set the benchmark for that early part of the season where classic season of two halves we went on a run that was just it was incredible you know um you know i think it was i want to say 15 matches unbeaten uh a run that took us into the, the top half of the table where we stayed for the entire season and despite that um that that post december slump which started um with a defeat at Fur Hill in the fog, uh, 1-0 after um, having a player sent off. But we still kept on. We still hung in there and we finished off in the playoffs. And the, the second half of the season was a, was a bit of a slog. Not going to lie to you. Uh, but we still finished in the play. Well, we finished just outside the playoffs. Um, won a cup, you know, won the other cup, you know, the, the, the SPL trust trophy by the time the season was out. But overall, you know, the Aberdeen that Aberdeen game was a was a high point in the early part one of one of many high points in the early part of the season of a season that did that, that promised so much and delivered um, not as much as we thought for Rovers fans. Yeah, you just touched on there. I mean, you're pretty much in the playoff positions right the way through the entire campaign. And I went back and looked at the graphs today of when it kind of eventually tailed off, and it was almost only in those last few weeks you eventually fell out of the the top four and, like I said, missed out by two points. I think it was to to Partick Thistle, which. Yeah. Yeah, must have been incredibly gutting having been in that top four for the entire season. And then when you're in the playoffs, anything can happen. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, and 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 to be honest with you, in that in that tough second half of the season, that was punctuated punctuated by or emphasized by one major event, mm. uh, which I'm sure we're going to touch on at some point. Um, in in that second half of the season, you know, we were. We were drawing and losing games where we should have been expecting to be drawing and winning games. Um, but because of the teams around us weren't doing great things as well, we were still hanging into that fourth, that fourth, that fourth spot in the championship. And it was only uh, a month before the season ended that we dropped down to fifth. And we finished the season with two key victories at uh, Furhill and Hamilton. Yeah. But still, as you said, two points shy. And then yeah, just agony, you know, so so near but so far. But the majority of us saw the outcome and weren't surprised when we didn't make the playoffs. Let's be honest about that. You kind of just touched on it there, and I guess um, let's let's not avoid the elephant in the room. Um, no. The signing of David Goodwillie in, in in the January window and everything that fell off the back of that afterwards. That almost seemed, from the outside looking in, and you know, this is just you know our perspective on things. That seemed to almost cast like such a real shadow over the club to the back end of the season. So do you think that that did have a an effect in terms of where the the guys ended up finishing the, the league campaign? Um yeah, yeah. It's hard to hard to say in a short answer, but um to be honest, um the the need for the the need for a striker, the need for that signing had been apparent um at the end of I want to say at the end of November. November, December we played Morton at Capulo. Uh, it was televised uh, live on the BBC and in a game where there was chances created by our team, you know, like a hat full of chances were created, we end up drawing the game 2-0. And on reflection, you know, in, in a championship season, you go to you go to Capilo, a team that, you know, they make it difficult for lots of other teams, where our, our record there is particularly good. Putting that aside, 
you go to a game at Capital, you draw two all, you create a hat full of chances where you could have scored four or five. Um, it was after that game, knowing what I know now, it was after that game where it became apparently clear to the management that we need a goal scorer. We need a number nine that's going to put away all these chances we're creating because early season, the goals were coming from our wide players, Dario Zanata, Aidan Connolly. Um, by November, December, the goals from Dario Zanata had dried up considerably it was, and he was contributing less to the team. Aidan Connolly was still motoring away there and was our player of the season. Uh, but our main goal threat had stopped. And the guys we had up front, Matty Papatnik, Ethan Varian, they were creating good link-ups, but they weren't putting the chances away. So, Morton, 2-0. Uh, it was apparently clear we had to sign a striker. And the decision was made then that we had to sign um, a striker. And it wasn't as clear. It wasn't as straightforward as saying, we're now going to sign David Goodwillie. Um, there, was, there was many options on the table. Um, so, for instance, uh, off the top of my head, as I remember it rightly, uh, Callum Hendry was linked with us and on loan from uh, St. Johnson. And it was decided last minute. He was about to, he agreed to sign for us. He'd talked to the management, verbal agreement. He was keen to come to Cody. Last minute, St. Johnson decided he had to go to Kilmarnock instead hmm. to play at a higher level. So that got, so that got taken from underneath us. Um, so we went into target number two. There was apparently a Norwegian lad lined up to play with us. Now, I don't know what his name was. Um, a little bit of background here. When I agreed to join the, to speak to another podcast, I was the volunteer media officer of Wraith Rovers. Yeah. Um, in the intervening period, I'm now paid employee of Wraith Rovers, part-time uh, football operations manager, um, dealing with player contracts and registrations. Uh, so I get a little bit of insight to things that not all volunteers of Wraith Rovers get. At the same time, I'm not going to divulge any, break any confidences, but... Um, Boo! I, I know, <laughs> yeah, no, what a killjoy, what a buzzkill. <laughs> but when the, when the Callum Hendry thing wasn't going to, wasn't a gore, um, there was a Norwegian fella, don't know the name, um, didn't come off because we couldn't get a work permit. So they then moved on to target three, Jack Hamilton. So living person oh, Highly rated, much loved by every manager he's ever played for. Um, he was the next target and talked to John McGlynn and Paul Smith. It looked like it was looking promising. Then all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, then um, the Libby striker that's on loan at Arbroath at the time, uh, Big Nubly, um, Joel Nubly, um, has to go back to Livingston. Uh, the Arbroath manager, the Limson manager, had a conversation said, well, we're losing Joe. What have you got for me instead? And the Livingston manager, David Martindale, you know, good football man, you know, knows his football, knows, knows his players inside out, as does Dick Campbell, recommends uh, Jack Hamilton to go to Arbroath. So we lose out on Jack Hamilton. So then it goes to, and this all, this all takes place over the course of December of last year. Then it becomes... What's the other option? Who who do we know? Who who have we worked with in the past that that can score goals at this level? Um, David Goodwillie, the manager knows him from way back. David Goodwillie, as you'll remember, had a very successful loan season on loan with us um, when he was 19, 20 years old before he made it big at United. Yeah. So we start talking to him. Um, 
the story gets into the media, it's reported, you know, the story somehow leaks out, <coughs> agents, um, not sure how that happened, um, and the reaction from Rovers fans is not good, as you can imagine with David and, and his history, you know, and that blot on his, that blot on his record as, as most people see it. So the reaction in December is that this is a bad idea, the Rovers fans won't like it. So we move away from that. End of January, one month on, we are no further forward with a striker. So we then decide to reactivate the conversation, the deal, or whatever it was with, with David Goodwillie. And yeah, so we sign we sign the guy, the reaction's not good. And in general terms, to answer your original question, and I've gone and I've taken the long route round to the answer, in general terms, is that um it kind of puts a bit of a dampener on the season because we sign him, we announce him, we then have to explain why we signed him, and then to, uh, a day or so later, we have to retract uh, or sorry, say that we're never going to play him and we're, in, and we're going to start negotiating the cancellation on that contract. So it casts a massive shadow over, a massive mm-hmm. shadow over the whole club. And I was talking about this yesterday um, uh, with uh, with a, a volunteer that's going to be helping us with the social media with this season, I said of all the things that Rovers have done over the years, whether it be promotion, whether it be relegation, signing players that haven't been so good, you know, players that have, players that have embarrassed themselves in some sort of way, the signing of David Goodwillie is the one thing that will hang over us for the forever. It's 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 the thing that that can be cast up against us in the future as one of the bad things we've done. Um, and it was so bad. The reaction was so bad. The atmosphere around it was so bad. It was actually, it was actually for the first time and the only time, it was, it was actually upsetting to be a Wraith over supporter. Even mm-hmm. though I had nothing to do with the signing itself at that time, the reaction was so bad and so strong for people across the world and across football um, that it was, it was really hard to take. And what hurt most was that People were having a smash that had no interest in Wraith Rovers or football or Scottish football. And that's what that's what I took exception to from the mm. end. Um, not the actual signing of the player, because I didn't think it was the right sign to make. Um, it was the reaction. The reaction was so strong. And the thing that was the, th- the thing that kept on getting bounced around was um, uh, it was never a problem when he played the last five years with Clyde. True. Um, but what you have to remember is the world has changed. In the last five years, the world has changed and attitudes to everything have changed so so significantly that I don't know how we ever thought we were going to get away with the David Goodwillie signing and not have a reaction. Yeah, which I think is entirely, you know, it's an entirely fair statement to say about in terms of the, the, the world's moved on in that five years. And with all due respect to, to Clyde as well, Wraith Rovers are a, a higher profile club in Scottish football than, than Clyde are. Like, I mean, listen, Aberdeen can't really take a moral high ground on this particular issue given we um, we had Goodwillie back yeah. in 2014, 2015 for a couple of seasons. Um, that it was something that it was a signing at the time that I know Gavin, you and I were deeply uncomfortable with. At that moment in time for Aberdeen, that was before, I think. The caveat is that at that point, the um, I think the civil case was waiting it was, yeah. it was when he moved to Plymouth that that came out. So, yeah. but yeah, there was there was obviously the um, the criminal proceedings and the shadiness or murkiness of that case. So yeah, yeah it was uh, a difficult time. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think try to hide behind the kind of diff- the semantics between the civil case and the criminal case as far as an Aberdeen fan goes. I don't really buy. For me, it was a deeply uncomfortable signing at the time and I don't wish to have done it and it was what it was, unfortunately. Um, I've just got to ask. I mean, obviously, yeah, as you say, he signed. Yeah. I was from what I recall, you, the board, the Wraith board appeared to kind of double down on the signing uh, for well. like day one and then day two, the decision was taken that he was not going to play for Wraith again and you were going to in, in conversations to terminate his contract he That's then right, moves yeah. on loan to Clyde I believe the council ban him from the Broadwood as it was a council owned stadium so then he can't play for Clyde is he still at Wraith Rovers? He still contracted us yes um, he um, yeah he still contracted us um, we are in negotiations with him and his representatives about um uh, Cancelling and settling that contract, uh, obviously, all about my confidentiality. Yeah. Um, conversations are still ongoing, um, and I'm I'm expecting we announce something in that regard very very soon. But it's it's all it's all it, it, you know, it's a bit of a cop out, but it's all it's all in the hands of legal legal representatives. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and in absolutely. terms of the the actual signing of him. The day he was signed, as I said, I was uh, at that point. I was voluntary media officer. I got wind that I got wind that the signing was imminent or a potential thing that was happening over the weekend uh, leading up to the thirty first January. Um, and I saw the things in the media, and and I got a, got a heads up from somebody at the club that you know is back on the cards. Um, and on the day that he. And then he was signed. Um, I was actually at Starts Park. Uh, my son does advanced player uh, training with the Wraith Homes Community Foundation Monday. Um, and I was actually, funnily enough, I was at Starts Park at the same time that the talks were still going on to finalise the deal. And it was on transfer deadline day at 9.45 in the evening that I finally got the call from um, um, our chief executive that the signing has been made. We have to announce it. Um, speak to John McGlynn, get a quote for the announcement on the website, which I did. You know, as was my as was my duty. Um, but um, it was it was, and, and funnily enough, when I phoned uh, John McGlynn to get his quote for our announcement on our website, it was only at that point that I was asked by somebody at the club in a, in a, in, a, in a position of influence and power uh, that said, um, "What do you think?" I said, "Well." You're not asking me for my answer was I'm not you're not asking me for permission. You just asked for what I think, and, and I gave it. I said I was honest. I said football wise, it's the signing we need, but all the feedback we're going to get from it is going to be very negative, and so that's why when I was asked to, I put out the statement that I was given the following day. You know, like backing up why we we're doing it for football reasons only, um, and then. Couple of days later, um, passed a statement again to put on the website saying they were ending things and cancelling the contract and negotiating, which is where you stepped in there, Gavin, and took up the story of him going back to Clyde on loan uh, and so on and so forth. So, yeah, a massive incident in our history, one we don't want to repeat. I think that's safe to say. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> let's, let's just like wrap that section up. Obviously, that it, you know, a lot of trust yeah. felt like that was um, eroded within Wraith Rovers support and maybe even just Scottish football as a whole. Um, you know, obviously Val McDermott would do her sponsorship. The women's team um, didn't want to be associated with the club anymore. Mm-hmm. Various volunteers, employees, I think 
opted to leave Wraith Rovers rather than uh, remain while he was there. Including myself, including myself, yeah. They all went, everyone went, and the, the majority came back within a month. They came back a month later to keep the ship, to keep things moving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yes. What are the club doing now, or what have the club done since to try and, I guess, rebuild that trust? Well, so, so, that's a big one, really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, so the rest of the season played out. Um, as I said before, you know, we we got to the we got to the SPFL Trust Trophy final. We won that final, which was a massive boost to everyone. It's what the club needed to get that feel good factor back in the club. So, so that got that got enough of the supporters back on side to you know to make a difference. Season ended. Uh, John McGlynn and Paul Smith, our management team, their contracts um, ran till the end of last season, and uh, and they decided to move on to Pastures New. They went to Falkirk. So at that point, um, obviously, search for a new manager. It was key to us. It was key to all the supporters and to everyone that associated with the club. The next manager appointment had to be like positive and inspiring, something to bring back, bring everyone back together. You know, unity was the was the thing that was needed. Um, and there was lots of names banded around, Scott Brown being one of them. Yep. Scott Brown featured very heavily in the early betting, if you like, uh, alongside Kevin Thompson. So, so both relatively untested, well, Scott Brown completely untested as yep. a manager. Kevin Thompson won season in at Kelty. With, with huge financial backing, had won a league. Um, those are the early names. And to be honest, they didn't really inspire a lot of confidence amongst Rovers supporters. Um, when things calmed down, with the names that are being associated, um, the name that kept on recurring or popping up was uh, Ian Murray, uh, who eventually got the job. But at that point, he was still in a playoff situation with Airdrie. Yeah. And so every Rovers fan looked at that and thought, they started looking into his, or reminding themselves of his background, you know, like a manager for 10 years, but only 41 years of age, having retired early from playing with a serious hip condition. Um, been at Airdrie for three years and had improved, and had improved them year on year. Lots of good things said about him, but he was still in a playoff situation. Uh, Airdrie ultimately somehow didn't go up in the play playoffs. So um, very shortly after they were out of the playoffs, he was approached by Wraith Rovers, got the job. And to be honest, and I don't say this lightly, he I think he is one of the key ingredients for us getting things back on track, getting the trust back in the club. Because as a younger manager, I mean, you got to remember that Ian Murray's 41, John... McGlynn is 60, uh, nearly 60. He'll be 61 in, in December. So he's a much younger manager than John McGlynn. Um, he's got a very uh, traditional outlook on things, football-wise, but he's a little bit different. Um, and he likes to get the community on side, get the support on side. And for us, that managerial appointment, managerial appointment was, was key to the whole thing for Ray Lowers. <clears throat> Getting him on board, the positivity that's come out of him. Um, he's made signings. He made signings very, signings very quickly after he got the job. Uh, his first signing was Dylan Easton. Sorry. So, so Dylan Easton, um, for those of you that don't, that live outside of the, that for those of you that are in the premiership bubble, uh, Dylan Easton is the midfielder that 
every team outside of the Scottish Premiership would wants to have playing for them. Dundee fans, Dunfermline fans, uh, East Fife fans will tell you differently because he's signed for us. <laughs> but he is he is the creative midfielder, the goal scoring midfielder in every team in Scotland outside of the Premiership wants playing for them. So to start to open up the, the signing activity with that statement of intent that we're signing Dylan Easton, who is at Airdrie with Ian Murray, good relationship with the manager, was massive. He added to those signings, to that signing, sorry, with uh, Scott Brown, uh, the Peterhead captain. Peterhead, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so one of the players of the year, I think he made uh, Division One, League One player of the year, um, uh, playing for midfield, yeah, you know, gets forward, scores goals, can defend really well. Followed up by Ross Millen, a right back from Scunthorpe, who made his name at Dunfermline, a very solid uh, championship player, uh, featured for Kilmarnock as well in the Premiership. So with the managerial appointment and those three key early signings, um, a lot of faith, a lot of trust has been put back into Ian Murray and he's repaid it. And the vibes around the club are very, very strong. Um, If you look at... If you look at numbers of season tickets sold this season versus the same time last season, we're up on that. So there's no, it looks like there's no lasting hangover from last season and and, and 31st January, 1st of February. Um, the positivity's back. Um, he's playing a good style of football, um, which helps a lot, you know, um, and you guys will know this, Aberdeen supporters, um, you place a lot of faith in the style of football that the manager produces and that Ray Throws, he's got us playing. It's like high tempo, high press, you know, aggressive when we need to be, but 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 attractive to watch. Mm. Um, with the old adage, he'd rather go down 3-2 trying to score goals than sitting on a 1-0 lead in the 80th minute. Um, so, yeah, a lot of good work has been done to get the trust back and the faith back. Yeah, I was going to touch on that. I mean, Ian Murray's an interesting manager, actually, from that perspective, because he is still young. He's, like you say, he's only he's 41 this year, isn't 41, he? Yeah. Um, but he's got a good level of experience already. You know, he had a decent spell at Dumbarton, had a slightly iffy spell at St Mirren, but St Mirren were in really bad shape at that particular moment in time. They were a mess. <laughs> yeah, had a spell in Norway as well. And then obviously with Airdrie, where he did, you know, uh, really well. And then, you know, he got to the championship playoff final in the last two seasons consecutively, missing it to, to, to Morton and then Queen's Park last season. So it is an interesting appointment from that perspective for um for Ray Throvers. And you just touched on it. It's quite a relatively stable squad you're moving from last season to this season with. Only three players have come in. I think if I'm right in thinking it's only five players out. You can yes. pair that with, you know, well, with, with Aberdeen's a great example of how the complete, you know, clear out we're doing from last season and the numbers we're taking in. But even compared to the teams we've spoken about so far this season, just in the Premier Sports group, you know, Peter Head are having an absolute nightmare of a time. Yeah. The number of players they've lost, the, the, the lack of players they can get in. Dumbarton are seeing the same. Uh, Sterling Abbey are kind of doing okay actually retaining their players but it's a huge huge issue um, it seems yeah. like a lot of, across a lot of clubs this season in terms exactly. of players coming in and out Wraith look pretty stable from that perspective and one player who will still be in the squad for Wraith Overs next season is obviously ex-Aberdeen uh, Youth Academy graduate Ethan Ross oh, how's, yeah. how's Ethan getting on? Oh he's I mean well Ethan Ross he, he's hugely popular amongst the because um, the Wraith uh, hugely popular amongst the Wraith Overs support um, because he well 
first and foremost, he's a very talented player. He's very skillful. Uh, he also he plays the game with a smile on his face. He's really he's positive about uh, playing for Wraith Rovers, his team just now. Um, he pitches in with goals. Um, he doesn't he doesn't seem to score many ordinary goals, many tap-ins, um, and he's um, and he's lightning. He's lightning quick. I mean, I I noticed um, in our preseason campaign we played a game at Kelty Hearts. Very tough game, you know. They're really up for it. Uh, it finished in a one-all draw, but because I don't know if you if you've been to Kelty Hearts um, Stadium um, yet, no. if, you, if if you're sitting in this stand, it's because it's quite small. It's quite low down, and so you're you're right at a level where you can see everything on the pitch. You can hear what's going on, but you get a full appreciation of a player like Ethan Moss when you're close up to him because he is lightning quick. There was he did three runs down the left hand side, and honestly, I've never seen a man move so quickly on a football pitch. Uh, he was absolutely lightning, and because he has that sort of uh, he's got that attitude and that energy. Uh, Rovers fans are like really drawn to him. He's a massive favourite of them. And he has been moved around in position. You know, he started off left wing for us in his first, in his loan spell with us um, the season before last. And he was successful in the left uh, wing. And then he got recalled back to Aberdeen by Derek McInnes. Yeah. Um, which, was, which was interesting. Um, who then never played him. Which I thought was very strange, you know, because normally when you've got a young lad, a young guy on loan at a championship club and his premiership parent club recall him back because they're thinking he's done well, we're gonna play him. Welcome to the Derek McInnes school of yeah, youth players. <laughs> That's that can opened. <laughs> yeah, I've heard that a lot from Aberdeen supporters. And he never he he's never featured. I thought this is really weird, you know, like didn't know what's going on. And then end of that season, as you know, um, you get he gets um, he gets the chance chance to train down south for Southampton amongst others, yeah. and it looks like well he's gonna he's gonna get the move he needs that he, that he requires that he deserves. Um, nothing comes of those uh, trial pl- trial periods down south, um, and he's still contracted to Aberdeen, and out of nowhere it seems um, we sign him, we settle up the. What is it called? The development fee. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Development yeah. fee for him, um, and he and he signed to us on a deal for the next, for this season and next season with with add-ons. So, so I think we played it. We played a right canny one there in that we've got a player who likes playing for us, who's competent, um, and if if he if he impresses and somebody comes in weighs in with the move then. Then we then we benefit as well because that's that's the way of it at our level. I was I was really surprised that Ethan decided not because Aberdeen offered him a new contract. Obviously, at the end of um, that season, I was really surprised that Ethan didn't take up that offer with us because I could totally have understood it from his perspective because he was so frustrated at not getting first team opportunities. Um, but when Derek McInnes was emptied and. Paul Sheeran took over initially, and then Stephen Glass took it, uh, took over. They were giving him opportunities back in the first team, coming off the bench predominantly. I mean, Paul Sheeran gave him a run out as a start in the one that went at Dumbarton in the Scottish Cup that season. It was Calvin Ramsey's debut as well for Aberdeen that day. Hmm. It felt to me that there was a real sea change in Aberdeen's mentality around giving young players an opportunity. So I kind of thought to myself, well, maybe Ethan might take the view here. That this is a good time to be here now because young players are going to get the chance. 
fair enough. I think maybe his head was turned a little bit by the Southampton trials and down south and Premiership and all that. And maybe that's why he decided it was maybe time to move on. But it'll be interesting if he does. Ethan Ross was always a player I really, really, really liked the look of um, coming through our setup. And it was one of those I was always just like, love to see him get some more time. And I think in the current setup now, Gav, he'd probably be a player who'd be getting opportunities at Aberdeen. I mean, I, I wonder if just, you know, he was maybe looking at it and thinking we still had Ryan Hedges at that point. We still had, you know, now McGinn had got a new contract. Johnny Hayes, um, Jet was coming in the door. I guess he maybe thought the pathway was still going to be too much. And possibly, yeah. He was at an age where first team football was what he needed. And yeah, he's always had a good spell at Wraith and knew the team and knew that he would get on really well there. Um, I do look your way and see that he's scoring goals. I mean, he scored a goal in the, in the cup final, didn't he? In he the, did, yeah. He yeah. did, yeah, yeah. But I mean, it was, um, it was, it, it was a, good, it was a great goal. Uh, uh, I think Sean Mackey uh, on loan from Hibs, who started off in our youth academy, um, he came back to us on loan, and he made one of those runs that you. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I've always been a fan of attacking fullbacks, attack, attacking right backs particularly. But on this occasion, it was Sean Mackey who absolutely burst down the left hand side, right to the touchline, and fizzed the ball back cut back to Ethan Ross and all he had to do was control it properly and finish it and um, you know some players it would have bounced off their shin and gone another mm-hmm. way and, and Ross buried it and he, and he celebrated like he scored in the World Cup final he was and, and, and again um, the supporters they saw his reaction and they, and they just responded to it and that, I mean that cup final was such an occasion you know in that, that he scored you know a crowd favourite scored and the other crowd favourite, uh, Matty Poplatnik, our lone striker from Livingston, scored two-headed goals. And he'd done really well for us, Matty, but hadn't scored the goals that his mm. play deserved. So it was just one of those outpourings of emotion, particularly when Ethan scored, um, that was just, it was just so enjoyable for Rovers fans um, because you could see that he genuinely, genuinely uh, enjoyed playing for us. And I, and I think he just, he's, one of these, he's one of these guys that enjoys playing football. He could be playing for Aberdeen, Rovers or Banks of D and as long as he was doing well he would enjoy it because he, he loves the game so much some boy <laughs> yeah it was it was definitely hard to not cast an envious eye your way when he's doing things like that and we're yeah. going through games where we don't get a shot on target and have no creativity or pace for that matter but Indeed. he's done well and you know, who knows maybe uh, maybe one day down the road maybe he'll make his way back to Pataudry absolutely um, Gav you mentioned a player who I feel we have to bring up now. I mean, this must be right up there, Neil, for you with like the 1994 League Cup final. Um, Jet scored his only goal for Aberdeen last season at Starks Park. Uh, a thrilling moment. There's your history moment right there. That must have been right up there for you. Was that his only goal? <laughs> of course it was. Yeah, he was absolute dog shit. <laughs> See, yeah, because that goal, when he struck it, I thought to myself, my God, that is a player. How hard did he strike that? How well did it go in? But then, like you said, I mean, I didn't watch Aberdeen much for the rest of that season. <laughs> I'm not an Aberdeen supporter. Um, but yet, that's all he did. He, he promised us 20-plus goals last season. Um, oh, silly we, boy. We've got one, so there's 20 still to come. Um, <laughs> and it was at Starks Park. That'll be a... It's a pub quiz question well, for the ages, if nothing else, that one. I was there to see it. Thanks, <laughs> there you go. Um, it may shock you, but Jet is currently unemployed. <laughs> no, ridiculous. Let's talk about it. I mean, the League Cup, obviously. The League Cup is, I'm going to presume, Neil, I'm, I'm going to presume, and presumption is a very difficult thing to do. 
but I'm presuming the League Cup has offered you your finest moment as a Wraith Rovers fan. Or is it going to be the Bayern Munich? Ah, well, yeah, yeah. Um, well, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, your first statement is completely right. Uh, and, and we talked about this off off, off record yeah. uh, before we started the, the podcast record. Uh, I, as a Wraith Rovers fan, I, I I hold on to 1994, the cup final, as as the as the greatest moment ever because for a club our size, it's the biggest thing we have ever won and probably will ever win. Similarly to yourselves in Gothenburg, you know, you guys, I hope you do, but if you do better than cup winners, cup final, or or it's equivalent in in years to come, then then hats off to you. But you'll cling on to the Celtic. We'll hold them to 1967 um, and so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, you always hark back to your 1990 to your 1994 Rovers fan. And when you get those barbs from old firm supporters or Dunfermline supporters, you know, like uh, about oh, those you know, all you ever go on about is 90. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Get on to them. Uh, all you ever go on about is 1994. But well, of course we do, you know, because it's the biggest time we ever won. I mean, Dunfermline supporters are still talking about in the sixties when this when they won the Scottish Cup twice, um, yeah. and most of them weren't even born back then. And it was before I was born, and it wasn't in colour telly, so it doesn't count. Um, so yeah, nineteen ninety four, the the zenith, the peak. I'll ingratiate myself to Wraith Rovers fans here by saying the only good thing about Dunfermline Athletic is the state prides. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, yeah, pretty much. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, the old enemy. I mean. Um, <laughs> I, I don't think I get there's another episode in itself about us and Dunfermline, but you know, um, it's interesting how, um, they are they are the biggest they are the biggest team in Fife, Dunfermline, and they constantly remind everyone about it, but they can't help having a go at us the week <laughs> when we do something significant or good or bad, you know. So, I don't think the to, to them, we're not that we, we're not that we, but they, I think they do. They profess too much. Um, yeah. But yeah, and going on from the 94 final to pick up on your second point, was Bayern Munich the follow-on from that? Was that as good as the final? I didn't think it was. It was the it was the cherry on the cake. Yeah. It was the bonus ball that you never expected to land. And um, so to even get past two pre- two prelim rounds of the UEFA Cup and get into a second round proper, sorry, of um the UEFA Cup that year was a bonus. To get drawn against Bayern Munich was just ridiculous. I I always remember I was in 1995 uh, the UEFA Cup. I was um I'd left I, I'd finished college. I'd graduated. I was down south at a job interview at Exeter University. Um, I wanted a job. I wanted to get into um, halls of residence management. So I went for the job interview at Exeter when the draw was being made. Uh, back in the days of you know before those mobile phones and internet. I had to phone my mate Ricardi, who lived in Pratt Street, the flats overlooking the stadium. I had to say, um, who did we get? And he was like, who did you want? And I <laughs> said, well, I wanted Juventus uh, and uh, Roberto Baggio and uh, Ravinelli. And- Can you imagine them at Starks? Honestly, the divine yeah. ponytail at Starks Park. Exactly, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, we wanted Juventus or we wanted, I think we could have got PSG or Montpellier. Um, there was an Italian, another Italian team that we could have got. And I, and I said, oh, we wanted Bayern Munich. And he said, we got Bayern Munich. And I was like, no, <laughs> you're joking. He said, yeah, we're, go- we're going to Munich. Um, so, yeah. yeah. And again, 
that photo, halftime, Bayern München, zero, Wraith Rovers, FC, one, there forever. In the mind and, and, and in the photographs, um, that will never be forgotten. And it, will it ever be done again? Well, let's wait and see. Bayern going to win the UEFA Cup that season, you know, so... And they, they absolutely humped everybody after. <laughs> they, they, yeah. I think they took something like six or seven of Knox Forest, who were a good team, um, you know, back then. Uh, they took six or seven of them. They beat a French team. And, and, and they absolutely took cricket scores off everybody in every round after that. And we reduced, you know, we kept them to like uh, 2-0, 2-0 at Easter Road and 2-1 at the Olympic Stadium for a team who five years before that were still part-time. Let's remember, the, the Rovers rise from Munich, if you work it back um, to the Germanical years, five years before that we were part-time and seven years before that we were second bottom of the old uh, second division. So yeah. like second worst team in Scotland. I mean, they beat they beat Barcelona in the semi-finals. Like, like that was it. Barcelona got the information here. They stuck seven past Benfica. <laughs> Thank you, Gavin. You're a legend. Like, I was trying to struggle to remember. They stuck seven past Nottingham Forest as well over two legs. It's, that was it. Yeah, it's an unbelievable run. And like you say, you you, you guys are the ones that run them the closest in the entire tournament, which is exactly, yeah. remarkable. I have to bring this back to Aberdeen because it's become way too much of a Wraith Rovers uh, fest at the moment. But sorry. <laughs> Let's look at that 1994 League Cup final because this is what I like to do. Pub quiz question once again. There are eight Aberdeen connections in that League Cup final, which is unbelievable. Right. I'm um, just going to go for it. I love it. He's, he's counting already. I can see it. Right. So I'll go Celtic first. Go on then. Ryan O'Neill. Yep. Um, Charlie Nicholas. Yep. That's the starting 11 from Celtic Dunn, I think. John McCollins on the left, Paul McStay. Da, 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 da. Missing one in the starting lineup. Oh, you've got Tom Boyd, Mike Galloway, Tony Mowbray, Gordon Marshall. In fact, I'm sorry, you're missing two actually in the starting lineup. I might, I might muck this up as well. Oh, you're a demon. All right, okay. Right, the two obvious ones are those ones Brian O'Neill, Charlie Nick. On our side, mm-hmm. uh, well, Stephen Mack and Espy, obviously. Yep, yep. Um, Sinky, Sean, Dave Neri. Did Dave Neri count? Because he used to play against you a lot. No, no. Uh, Wasn't good enough to play for us, unfortunately. Um, that's one for the that's one for the United fans that listen every now and again. Stevie Crawford. Stevie Crawford. Yes. Uh, eventually. Stevie. Yeah. Jason. Bloody hell. Uh, Gordon Daz. Ali Graham. Right. Our subs were Jason Robom. Ian Redford. Eight. How are you getting eight? Do you want me to go through them? We'll nah, do it. Go on there, right, come on. right, so you've got it. Steve McInesby. Yeah. Stevie Crawford. That's your two on the playing side for Wraith. Oh, okay. Jimmy Nick is the manager. Of course he is. Doing to be assistant manager at Aberdeen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gordon Marshall's in goals for Celtic. He's future Aberdeen goalkeeping coach. Oh, goalie coach, yeah, of course. I'm oh. going really, really tenuous here. Right, it's happening. <laughs> Brian O'Neill, you got him. What a fucking waste of space he was for Aberdeen. Yeah, and everyone. Charlie Nick, a hero, legend, but still wants way too much money to appear on this podcast. Wait, you get money? <laughs> <laughs> no. 
<laughs> Charlie, <laughs> Nick, Charlie Nick wants money, and his agent's been told well, more to the can... point. More to the point, Charlie Nicholas's agent wants money. Yeah, whether Charlie Nick knows about it, who knows? Willie Falconero is on the bench oh, Celtic. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. And here's the absolute curveball for you, though. This is the one that no one will get. Set defence for Celtic that day. It's Tony Mowbray. Yes. His brother is the current head of recruitment for Abbey I mean, football. that is 10 years. That's 10 years. Oh, yeah. But there you go. That is eight. We get there. Eight is your Aberdeen links to that night in the fully. We're still not sure Darren Mowbray is even a real person. Come on. We're still not. We've never seen a photo of him. He's never been put out on social media. He's never put on club media. Who knows, Gav? Maybe we might get the exclusive interview with Darren Mowbray. What do you think? I didn't even know he had a brother. Why would I? <laughs> <laughs> so that's enough of that nonsense. Kicked off the Premier Sports Cup race. 6-0 hammer on Peter Head. Yeah. Which made us look a lot closer at our 2-0 win over them, I must admit. Because <laughs> everyone gone, 2-0 was quite good, quite professional. And then Wraith went and stuck six past them. So you're like, all right, maybe our 2 wasn't quite so good. And then on Saturday, 1-1 draw with Sterling Albion. Darren Young's Sterling Albion, of course. Wraith yeah. um, losing out 5-4 in the shootout. So currently... As we speak, Sunday evening, this goes out on Wednesday, so this means whatever's happened on Tuesday evening is outdated by the time this goes out. Wraith are sitting with four points after two games. You've got two away fixtures now, Dumbarton on Tuesday night and then Pataudry next Sunday. So I guess this is a twofold question for you, Neil. What can Aberdeen expect next Sunday, first of all? And then I guess, generally speaking, what are Wraith's aspirations for the season ahead? So so what to expect uh, Sunday? Well, for us, obviously, the immediate concern is the game away at Dumbarton, um, a crowd, uh, sorry, a ground that we've had decent results on over over the piece uh, in in recent years. I mean, obviously, after that sobering sort of defeat on penalties to Sterling uh, yesterday, Saturday, a lot of our players have got a point to prove. Um, Post match yesterday. Um, um, in my role as media manager, I end up working the camera for the post-match interview. And everything that Ian Murray said on camera to Ray TV is what he said off camera to us in conversation. He said, there's too many players yesterday for Ray Throwers uh, didn't step up. They didn't compete where they had to. Um, they shut out challenges. They, they allowed themselves to be physically dominated, bullied almost by Sterling Albion players. And that's no, um, that's no slight on Sterling Albion because they've got a, They've got a good, strong team. Uh, they came with a full squad, nine players on the bench. Yeah. Uh, compared to Peterhead, the previous midweek, uh, had, they had one youth player on the bench. Um, it was really unfortunate to see, um, and they were not in a good place. I spoke to the Peterhead, um, one of the Peterhead directors after the game. He was saying they've lost 13 bodies since last season, uh, and, and good players as well. So the 6-0, as impressive as it was for us, um, you, you match that with Peter Head's deficiencies, um, yeah, you know, and you're realistic about the outcome. Uh, I mean, we're still good enough to win. Uh, yeah, back down to earth against Sterling, as I said, um, and yeah, allowed ourselves to be physically dominated. The referee didn't help, but um, that's not an excuse. Um, overall, the Wraiths, the Wraith players didn't do themselves justice. Um, so, uh, bounce back time against Dumbarton. Um, they've got a big job there. They've got a big job to impress the manager. They've got a big job to impress upon themselves the need to get back in the game, get back in the cup competition. And if we do what's required, um, 
what the Aberdeen supporters, what the Aberdeen team can expect from Wraith Rovers on Sunday is a team that's really up for making its mark and proving that they are good enough to, to go toe-to-toe with a team like Aberdeen. Because we showed, uh, again, harking back to uh, Jets' uh, glory days, his uh, <laughs> one goal for Rovers last season. Um, we've shown that we can go, we can match up with Aberdeen in, in you know, last season um, and, and take a game to them. And 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 the the good thing that Ro- or, or the fortunate fortunate position that Rovers are in is that despite there being lots of turnover of players at the end of every season, we still got the core of our team still in place. We've lost players, but no, we've not lost as many as many other teams have. Um, we do have some gaps in this squad, but um, I think we're going to give Aberdeen a game that I'm not going to say there's, going, there's only going to be one game goal in it because you don't know what you never know what's going to happen but I think it's going to be a competitive game with two sets of players that have a point to prove to themselves to their support and to their manager their respective managers uh, of what's needing what's needing done some might argue that Jet's glory days was when he got a payoff from Aberdeen and then sorted off to Dubai for a month I'm just going to throw that out there <laughs> Is that, did he get more money for that <laughs> who who knows Neil listen we always want to finish these up. Come on, give us a prediction. Give us a prediction. Okay, right. Well, just um, the put aside the fact that I'm a, a, I'm an employee of the club. I, I am a Rovers supporter at heart. So, heart overhead, I think it's going to be 2 1 to the Rovers. Mm-hmm. What about yourselves? What do you think? I really don't know, to be honest, because I think it all, it all, it all probably depends on what happens Tuesday night, which is the worst thing about doing these a whole week ahead when there's a game midweek because obviously if you guys don't pick up maximum points at Dumbarton on Tuesday and if we pick up max points at Sterling I think at that point we're guaranteed to finish top of the group Um, whether nine points would be enough for us to be seeded or not is probably still up for debate I think it might depend on that to be honest with you in terms of whether we look to rotate some players we've got an interesting dilemma come up Gavin and I are going to talk about this in the main body of of the show where we have um Liam Scales in at left centre-half at the moment, who will be ineligible for our opening Premiership fixture at Parkhead. Now, Liam's played every game so far, uh, pre-season and in the Cup. I expect he'll play on Tuesday against Sterling. It does leave us with a slight issue that we potentially go into the Celtic game without having played or tried anyone else at centre-half alongside Anthony Stewart in the games running up to that, which is a bit of a challenge potentially and, and so therefore there might be a question mark about whether we rotate some players around um next Sunday. Goodwin's been quite adamant he's going to play his first 11 all the way through. I would like to think that there will be a lot of focus on what happened last season from our side. Even though Jim Goodwin wasn't in situ, I think it's really imperative for Jim Goodwin. He gets off to a good start with Aberdeen this season and so we're treating the League Cup with the utmost of seriousness, I think it's I think it's fair to say. Um I expect it to be a tough match next Sunday, no matter what happens. Um, I'm I'm going to say Aberdeen will maybe just shade it 2-1 is where I'm going to go on that one. But um, I, I think it'll be a tough game. I think, obviously, there's uh, there's very little, I think, between the teams at the top end of the Championship and teams in the yeah. Premiership. And, 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 you know, we saw it often enough, last enough, last season, often enough teams from what you would perceive to be... Well, this is me now being big-headed as an Aberdeen fan. I was going to say teams you perceive to be from the bottom half of the Premiership, which would include ourselves last season. Um, we'd come to Aberdeen and make it very, very difficult for us and, and we'd walk away with three points. So it's our biggest test of pre-season, absolutely. Wraith coming to Pataudry. Um, I'm hoping we've got enough in the tank to just see it out. Uh, I'm going to say 2-1. Two, 2-1. One. 
Yeah, right. Well, I can't, uh, so, so sorry to butt in there, but uh, I can't uh, mention a Rovers-Aberdeen game without referencing the Scottish Cup tie a few years ago when Craig uh, Reed scored no, the winner. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. I was in Munich that night. I was I was in Munich watching Bayern Munich play Fiorentina in a Champions League quarterfinal or round of 32 game. Um, I can't remember why I was there, to be honest with you. And I remember just getting a message. We were in a beer hall after the game. This was, again, way before like Twitter and stuff like that were a proper thing. Mm. And I remember getting a message from somebody about the result and I was just like, ah, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Because were you guys second division at the time? Or were you first? No, we were in the we were in the championship as it's now called. It okay. was called the it was called the first division but the division back then. And it was uh, I mean I mean it was hellish for you. Uh, but I'm sorry I'm I'm gonna push that button and I'm gonna roll out <laughs> roll out the, the reminiscence red barrel. Um so going into that game, um, the day before, our captain, Mark Campbell, was in a serious car crash and couldn't play. Uh, the night of the game, uh, our only left back had the flu. Um, our right back was fit. That was good. Doogie <laughs> um, Hill got injured in the warm-up, the centre-half. So we played uh, Stevie Simmons, midfielder, and Grant Murray, captain and midfielder, in centre defence, and I have I have never seen a centre half pairing work so well as to makeshift. <laughs> Honestly, it was and and I, I was there at Petrodi. Me, and my brother, and my best mate uh, drove up there, and it was just it was like backs against the wall. We hit the post early doors, and then Aberdeen came at us, and we somehow weathered the storm, and Gregory Terry stuck one in uh, late on to to win the game. And we still, again, it's like night night four. We're still talking about it yet. It's, so I know it was hellish for you guys, but one of those bats to the walls things. We had no right to even compete in that game. I was at the original tie, and I mean, we didn't deserve to take the game back to replay. To be honest, we scored a very very late equaliser. Um, Adam McDonald, Gary McDonald. It, yeah. We didn't deserve to win that uh, to, to even get a draw that day, as I recall. Yeah. Mark McGee, Mark McGee did. He said <laughs> we should we should be we should be drawn against teams like this. Mark McGee said lots of stupid shit as manager of Aberdeen Football Club. Um, that and, as, as and I, elsewhere. Yeah, and as, <laughs> as, I, as I recall as well, was that not the game, Gavin? You, you'll, be, you'll remember this better than I will, because like I said, I was in Munich that night. Um, uh-huh. That was Spitgate, wasn't it? Yeah, that it was. That is, yes, that is Spitgate, yes. When oh, Mark McGee, coffee cup gate. You got all yeah. sorts of I was just going to say, that, that, that little story about Steve Simmons and Grant Murray going in the centre-back, that reminds oh. me of... Um, Lewis Ferguson had to go into centre-back for Aberdeen this past season against St. Johnston, and it turns out Lewis Ferguson, who's never played there, was our best centre-half. <laughs> yeah. So much, better, much, much better than Declan Gallagher, anyway, but that's not... That's, that's not a low much. bar. It's a low bar, isn't maybe, it? Maybe, maybe that's where Bologna are planning to play him. Um, who knows? This who season. knows? Hey, listen, Neil, we really appreciate you taking time. No worries, mate. Um, that's way too much rubbing it in, though. Um for our liking so I don't, know if you'll, I don't know if you'll get an invite back again but um, <laughs> just to let you know we've got Boyan Miofsky on his way so, and he's going to fuck you guys up <laughs> oh is he right if I knew he was I'd be impressed but <laughs> you can educate me uh, and sadly guys uh, I'm not going to make it to Petodri. Um uh, uh, my good lady wife has booked us a long weekend in Centre Park so it's the one game uh-huh. this season I'm missing sorry um, right. the, the Premier Sports cameras are there because they're expecting a repeat of last season 
<laughs> well, yeah, they say that, yeah. So I'll be watching, I'll be tuning in, and uh, don't do worry, if things go away, I'll be right on the Twitter messages. <laughs> Get it right up, yes. <laughs> Listen, Neil, we really appreciate it, mate. Great stuff. Um, we're going to wish you and everyone at Wraith Rovers all the very best for this season coming, obviously with the exception of um, Sunday to come. But thanks so much for joining us on the EBZ Football Podcast. Same to you guys. Good luck and good luck and goodbye. So Gav, what do you think? After speaking with Neil, predictions for next Sunday. This is difficult. We're recording this again Sunday night. We don't know what happens Tuesday night at this moment in time, despite the fact that earlier in the podcast, we will talk about that game. Try to suspend your disbelief. It's a bit like watching WrestleMania. What are you thinking next Sunday? So if I remember correctly, and this is the weird point because I'm talking after we've talked about the game and what's happened. I believe as we are here on Sunday, the 17th of July, last Sunday, I predicted a 1-0 win against Sterling Albion. And I'll stick with that. 1-0 against Sterling Albion, yes. Uh, okay. So then carrying that forward, and there's a reason I kept my cards close to my chest while we were talking to Neil there about the predictions. Uh-huh. Because I just didn't want to say this in front of his face. I think we're going to absolutely smash them. I think it's going to be <laughs> difficult, but I think we're going to have... Miofsky's going to think should be in the door by this point. Uh, hopefully, hopefully. Luis Lopez, who knows, maybe even one or two more. The only thing I'm going to say about the whole Miofsky thing is that Goodwin said when we were in Spain, remember we were in Spain, he said it would be seven to ten days for Miofsky. Yeah, but that was Spanish time. Ah, okay, right. Is that what it was? Because yeah, then so after you've got, game you've got to on... all the siestas and that and, and that <laughs> go in there. Um, and then, oh, Gav, you're working a very tight cultural tightrope there um, after the game on Wednesday night against the Barton he said it was still 7 to 10 days until Miofsky would be here so manana manana waiting for the right moment Miofsky's going to be in the door Duck will be in the door maybe even one or two more who knows I've got a really good feeling about this I think right. we're going to win, th- win 3 now. 3 now. yeah uh, goals a hat trick from Miofsky Hat from Miofsky. I I love it, Gav. I enjoy the enjoy the optimism. I'm I'm, I'm going to stick with what I said to Neil. I'm not as I'm not as shady as you, and won't you know say to our guests that you think they're going to hammer them. I'm going to go two one Aberdeen. I think it'll be a pretty tight affair. Probably our biggest test so far of preseason. I thought that was a really um, great chat with Neil, though. It was great. I really enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed. I also enjoyed. Um, and I'm saying now. I meant to say it to him when we finished up, but. Often Neil was now when when we spoke to Neil initially about coming on, he was a volunteer, a volunteer, um, had a volunteer position at Wraith in the kind of media team. Uh, does a lot of contributions to the Wraith TV side of things. That's when we initially reached out to Neil to come on. In the time that has taken place, he's now actually a paid employee at Wraith Rovers. He's the football operations manager and also deals with the media management side of things for Wraith. Um, so I kind of initially, when when that happened, I'd mentioned to say, look, do you still feel you can do this? You know, it's difficult when you then work for the club. You know, we see that ourselves, but how much they're willing to to give away. Uh, I really appreciate his candor, to be quite frank, about the way he was openly discussing and openly talking about stuff. A lot of people might think that the David Goodwillie discussion, for example, is something that's been done to death. It's the first time we've ever had a real opportunity to talk about it because in, in context, because you're talking with a Wraith Rovers fan and we made our feelings known about it at the time when it happened. Um, I, I I really appreciate his candor. I thought potentially when we brought up the, the Goodwill thing, that might have been a, you know, we can't really talk about it as what it is. Really appreciate that. And, um, you know, obviously Wraith have got a big, big job to do uh, in their local community. 
and wider within Scottish football to kind of repair that um, reputation that Wraith Rovers um, had. Um, Wraith were never really a club I had any particular feelings about in the past. Um, I've always enjoyed a trip to Starks Park, but I never really had any real feelings about them, positive or negative in the past. Um, it's fair to say that you know my view of Wraith Rovers as a football club was really diminished in um in January, I don't know about you, Gaff, but um, I really appreciate the candor that Neil had on the whole thing. And we said to him after we finished recording, um, it's a shame we don't play Wraith Rovers more often because it'd be good to have that type of conversation more often on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, if people like that are, I mean, people like Neil, that's they're more representative of what Wraith Rovers are than oh, the people that made those decisions in January. So, with that being said, wish them all the best for the season and uh, even against Graham Giles' favorite team, Cove Rangers. Right. Uh, Absolutely. And just to reinforce for anybody that's worrying listening to us this season, don't worry, we're gonna get we're gonna try and improve and in, increase the presence of away supporters, I think, on our show this season to try and add to previews, etc. of games that have gone by. Don't I worry. Mean, I'm I'm game for just getting the Dogger Saints guys back on next week just to talk about their League Cup progress. Ah, the League Cup progress has been um in a word honking. Um <laughs> <laughs> not great not great from the the dogger saints at all on this one but we will we do gav we're gonna go with it we will maintain our no old firm presence on the podcast unlike some of those other down market aberdeen fc podcasts you get out there <laughs> shade we won't throw in this is what happens if you lower yourself to that that standard there won't be any old firm fans coming on this show anytime soon ends the breaks Them's the breaks. There we go. That wraps up this week's episode of the ABZ Football Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Please remember to like, subscribe, follow, or whatever on your podcast player of choice. Join us next week for episode 54, where we'll review our final Premier Sports Cup group fixture with Wraith Rovers before all of our attention turns to our Premiership curtain opener at Parkhead. I've got an idea. I think we should like do a whole host of predictions next week for the league season I like it get on them Gav oh and tell you what anyone in the solar system who wants us to predict anything on the Twitter at ABZ podcast send in your suggestions for what we need to predict um, and we'll try our best at it we look forward to seeing you then stand free episode of the ABZ Football Podcast is brought to you by Wowsy Aberdeen, your local independent family business based in St Andrews Street. An unrivaled choice for your sweet tooth needs with a huge selection of import sodas to choose from. It's got to be Wowsy. Root beer, Mountain Dew, Monster Energy and Japanese Ramune to name a few. You'll have a great day when you're on your way to Wowsy Aberdeen. Shop online at www.wowsy.com.